I say we can do this and it's fine. Because oh. Kaiser Sose. Kaiser Sose! That's how you have to say it. Like the Hungarian burned man. So that. Oh, okay. I, no, okay. I can't. Well, I, hang I, on, I, hang I, on. Let's okay, start. Go ahead. So. <laughs> I'm Kevin. And I'm Rachel. And this is Shelf Life, a podcast dedicated to finding all things pop culture, hosted by a brother and sister team, where we tell you whether or not what we're covering belongs on your shelf. I have to do that for any new potential listeners. And for any new listeners, welcome. This is season one. We're on season one. And we have a, a good little uh, show for you today, hopefully. Rachel, what are we debating about putting on the shelf today? The usual suspects. Yeah, 1995's The Usual Suspects. We are usual go- suspects. We're going prestige film here, Rachel. We are going... Really? This is... This is rated on IMDb as the number 34 movie of all time. Huh. According to wow, IMDb. Wow, okay. That's interesting. And if a, if a bunch of neckbeards on the internet who ruined the IMDb rating system say it's the number 34 movie of all time, then it's got to be true. Well, it's on the internet. It has to be true. But we are going with the... Pers- we're, this is our first... Like, we did. we did, you know... Some movies that have questionable if they're good or not. But this one is legitimately considered a very good movie. But this was my first time seeing it. Yes, that's what I wanted to get into. Rachel, what is your, I mean, you just said it. What's your history with The Usual Suspects? I've never seen it. I've only ever heard references from it in other things. And I only knew that once I watched it the other day. I didn't even know the references were from this until I was like, wait, I know that name. Wait, wait, what is this? Yeah, this is, this has been, I mean, at this point, the fact that when, when we decided, when we booked the show and, or booked the season and we said, well, do you, I think you were the one one who said, said let's do Usual Suspects. I was looking through a list of movies and I said, how about the Usual Suspects? And your response to me was, Really? interesting well, choice and it's I was just like, because all right because i've never it's, seen it <laughs> compared to a lot of the stuff that we will do on the show like you know your harry potters and your superhero movies and your star wars is things like that it's like the usual suspects has has a following some people consider this like one of their favorite movies of all time yes but it, it it's it's a little bit more like in the zeitgeist for that for the twist than it is for like the movie does yeah. that make sense no so like wh- i i agree and i do think so uh i i man I, I probably was ruined for watching this uh after i've seen so many other things well that was my that question right so hang on before you get into more and i didn't i didn't this... know anything about this movie i knew nothing Wait, so coming into so let this. me break this down for the folks at home first if you have not seen The Usual Suspects because you're on the younger side or it's just kind of escaped you mean. or whatever, yeah. <laughs> we, if, and if you're new to shelf life, we walk through everything, we discuss everything, we discuss theories about things, etc. We have a long-ass podcast, go look at our, our elapsed times here. So my suggestion would be because this whole movie falls on the crux of the, of the twist ending. Yeah. If you don't want that spoiled for you, don't listen to the podcast first. You have to go watch the movie first. So, so pause the podcast right now. 
we'll wait. Don't worry. We will wait for you. Okay, go ahead. Pause it. Right now it's streaming. I don't know where it'll be streaming when you're listening to this, but right now it's streaming. So go ahead and watch it. All right, go ahead. We'll wait. It's fine. Okay, so I want let's let's talk about this. Well, well, hey, here's I'm ready. the other thing. Here's the other thing. So I I have to ask you this. Welcome back, by the did way. Did you did you <laughs> know that there was a twist ending? I did know that there's a twist ending. I knew that it was going to say like that there's a, supposed to be a twist ending to this. Yes. Did you know what it was? No. Have you seen parodies of the twist ending? So here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Tiny Toons in 1996. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I have. I must have. You had to have. Because it felt like a trope to me. It felt like, like, oh yeah, this was, yeah, obviously. This is, of course, this is the way this worked. Yeah. Right. I figured it out. You figured it out? Yeah. You're going to piss off a lot of people on the internet that ranked <laughs> this as the, as the top twist of all time by so saying I was like, that. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. I'm like, well, because it wasn't just one twist. And I kind of figured that. Well, maybe, should we? Should you save that until we get to the twist that's to talk fine. about yeah, how that's, you... that's why I didn't want to say anything. I don't know how much we can interweave. We kind of have to interweave the twist. At the end, well, we can wait. It's a twenty-six-year-old we movie. Talk from the beginning and you know, all the way to the end. It's not well, a big deal. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm saying, like, we're, we're, I'm not going to go through the whole thing without saying who Kaiser Sose is. Like, that's not possible. Yeah. Maybe. So, especially when, especially when it, we're like, oh, and then did you see this happen? And you're like, oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, like, that not, was interesting. It's not feasible. But I will say, for my side of things. When it comes to Usual Suspects, I watched it once, sometime during college, I don't remember when, and that was it. But even watching it then, 10, 15 years ago, however long it was, I knew the twist ending, because it's ubiquitous. It is so, like, known, because it has been parodied. To your point, it's almost a trope. I I think it is, because I know the parodies before I knew where it came from. Right. Which so I'm is like, kind oh, okay, of, so I know what's going to happen. It's like watching The Simpsons and then going and finding that, oh, it's they were like, referencing something. It's like something. watching Spaceballs and then going back and watching Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. And I can't and spoiler think Spoiler alert, of... yes, that is exactly how I've seen them. I saw Spaceballs, <laughs> then I watched Star Wars. <laughs> it's the only way to do it, I think. <laughs> and I couldn't tell you, well, I, I'm sure, like, if we looked it up, it would tell us, like... What other movies reference? Well, that's what I was trying this? to figure out because the whole time I'm going Kaiser Sose is in the in my head. Every time they would say Kaiser Sose, I would be like, so Kaiser you've Sose. heard, so and I'm you've like, heard I've Kaiser heard Sose Kaiser... outside, yes! like never have seen the Usual Suspects. Yep. Because every time I'm like Kaiser Sose, I'm like, I know Kaiser Sose. I've heard of Kaiser Sose. What the hell is Kaiser Sose from? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> and I'm like, is this what Kaiser Sose is from? oh this is kaiser soze yeah hey everyone did you know this was kaiser soze but i'm like the whole time i was trying to i'm like i don't remember what movie or tv show or whatever referenced it that i remember it going kaiser soze and that's all i remember is the way it was said (laughs) that and there was another word it was like another name of somebody Verbal? No. Keaton? No. 
Kobayashi. Oh, Kobayashi. Kobayashi, the Kobayashi principle. <laughs> what was that from? <laughs> no, no, you're thinking of the Kobayashi Maru, which is from Star Trek. Okay. <laughs> which I wonder if that's where they got the name. I don't know, because I'm like, why do I know Kobayashi? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know Kobayashi. Well, he also is the man that ate like a thousand hot dogs. Uh, that maybe that isn't that is. Kobayashi. I have no idea. That's something I would never watch. So. All right, so folks at home, if somehow you can merge the character of Kobayashi in the Usual Suspects, but keep cutting to footage of Kobayashi eating hot dogs, and the and then the characters talking about Kobayashi in the movie, I'd like that YouTube mashup if you can do that. <laughs> Oh, you know, boy. you know what we could have done because this was your first time watching it. We could make a really hack YouTube video of first time reactions. Oh, you would whoa! not have that <laughs> It was just I was me going, whoa. "The fuck am I watching?" <laughs> well, speaking of the fuck word, now you and I have—I mean, we we swear oh, on this show oh because people swear in real God. life. God, I was trying to count. I was like, "Is there a count of how many times they've count. sent this?" I didn't count it. People and it, have counted. And it. it wasn't fuck for me. It was cocksucker. Well, cocksucker is in there a few times too. A few. <laughs> but the the uh, this is we're doing the usual suspects. People, the word fuck is said ninety-eight times, or and a der- there's an der- R. a derivative of the word fuck. <laughs> Is said ninety eight times, so we're gonna say is the it fuck ninety eight times. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Now we have an R on this one, so just so you know, <laughs> there are episodes out there where we don't swear a lot. I know. Small soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. We might have sworn it's. I don't. Yeah, know. Probably. Uh, I'm pretty sure I told Alan to go fuck himself in it at least yeah, once, no, but it sounds. Uh, no, there's some. I think the Twilight Zone we kept pretty clean. Well, yeah. But whatever. Um, we were in the Twilight Zone. We had to be clean. The The movie to me... So I guess we... Should we talk about what the movie is before kind of going into the backstory of the movie a little bit? Like, does that yes. seem like the logical place to start? Yeah, so that ahead. You want me to do it? Okay. Yeah, so, never mind. Let's, let's start... Actually, just like, yeah, because I don't know what the fuck I was watching. So you <laughs> let, need to tell me what the movie is. Let's zoom out for a is. second. Let's zoom out for a second. All right. So this is... If I were to describe the movie... And I'll let you describe it in your own words, too. This is a neo-noir crime thriller or crime mystery. It starts off as, in my opinion, just kind of like a crime story. Yeah. You don't really see what the... <clears throat> like, it feels like it's leading to like a, almost like an Ocean's Eleven like. I was going to say, it felt like it was about to be a heist movie, and then it was like, No. No, no, no. And then partway through it, yeah, partway through it becomes, it changes your theme because it feels like it's leading up to like a big heist. Right. But then it turns into this mystery of who is Kaiser Soze. Yes. It became all Uh, about the mystery of who is Kaiser Soze at that point. And and that really is what it is. Which I thought was weird. In my, in my head, I guess I was just like, now it's a different movie. I think that's on purpose. Okay. And we've seen, to your point, some movies and other stuff that is, like, tropish that makes it feel this is done a lot now. Yes. I'm, I, I'm thinking there of Knives always... Out for some reason that, Does like, Knives is sticking in my you? head. Knives no, but like, but, like, it changes what the movie's supposed to be about. You know True. what I mean? Yeah. 
It subverts your expectations if you will. Right, yes. And that's kind of what this is doing. So I assume that in 1995, this was more novel than it is Well, no, because then everything everything after that tried to copy what they did. Tried to copy this, right. They tried to copy the twists. They tried to copy the subverting your expectations, blah, blah, blah. And it's hard. And this is why I think this is an interesting episode, because having you here, never having seen the movie, and not knowing what the twist was, we can get like a genuine reaction and contemplation of what the plot and the twist and the story is all about. Yep. As opposed to someone that, you know, has seen a thousand mysteries and thinks well. that this is just full of tropes. <laughs> it's like, it's like, well, I have read and seen a thousand mysteries. Well, well, I, I, but it's like, it's like seeing Halloween. It's doing it the opposite. Yeah. It's like seeing Halloween after, like as a teenager, after you've seen a million slasher movies sure. from like the 2000s and being yes. like, well, there's nothing original. Like what's original about this? And it's because like, well, the other yeah, slashers the, went across uh, from the, this. the other slashers are all trying to copy Halloween. Like exactly. that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 No. I and oh, uh, just so the viewers at home know, I watched this last night. <laughs> so it is fresh in Rachel's mind. Very fresh. Uh, so this is considered one of the the top movies ever, which is very hard stakes. We're not gonna let that. Don't let that persuade you either way, Rachel. If this oh, don't makes worry. Shelf or not. Don't don't worry. I think I think I can have my own opinion. Stay tuned for other episodes where I will definitely give you my opinion. <laughs> that will probably not uh, line up with a lot of yours. The American Film Institute revealed its top 10, and this was acknowledged as the 10th best mystery film. Okay. Uh, one of the characters is considered the number 48 villain in the 100 top heroes and villains on the AFI list. It's one of the 13 must-see heist movies, according to Entertainment Weekly. So, like, it, it has a lot of of hype. Sure. But with all that hype, and as we said, we're not going to let that affect our opinion. <clears throat> oh, I, yeah, I, I like verdict. ruling. <laughs> oh, yeah, ruling. That's a good word. Affect our ruling. Yeah, keep that. We also can't let the fact that we thought we wouldn't be able to find this movie... Oh my god. (laughs) ...affect our opinion of it. Yeah, we were able to find it. That was... So we booked this... That was great. We booked the card (laughs) a while back. And then we were like, okay, we're going to watch The Usual Suspects here. Insert wherever you're listening to this show right now, now in yes. the order. And we were planning, you know, to listen to the stuff in order. But we couldn't find the fucking movie on any streaming service. It was service. nowhere. You could rent it in certain places, but you couldn't stream it. And, you know, I'm fine if we end up finding, like, oh, it's a streaming service that we don't have. Mm-hmm. But if you have the t- number 33. Four movie on IMDb or whatever. I don't know what it's rated at Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I think it's like an 87% or something like that on Rotten Tomatoes. It's high. It's a highly rated film. And you don't have it streaming anywhere. And we eventually found it. It's And and, in, and a week after we're, we're recording this, it's going to be taken off of that streaming site. Yep. So we don't know where it's going to be. And we thought about it. And I think there's a reason for why it's not 
being streamed anywhere. And I think the reason has to clearly be because in the movie, it is starring. Oh, that's right, Stephen Baldwin. Yeah, that's right. That makes sense. I mean, he's just such an asshole. Oh yeah, <laughs> God, that man. He's got some weird political views, man. No, it's it's. I mean, Stephen Baldwin might be an asshole one he way or the other. Be. But no, he could have come out and being other things as well at this point. <laughs> I mean, apologies to Stephen Ball. I don't know what Stephen Baldwin's like in real life. He just has some very politically charged tweets. But I think it's probably more because of the fact that the movie stars and won an Academy Award for Frank Underwood himself, Kevin Spacey. Yeah. And the movie is directed by Brian Singer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, they are the elephants in the room at this point, so... Yeah, so, I mean... We, we can talk about talk it for about a second, it. it's fine. I mean, it's the first... I don't think we have to talk about it every single time we do a Brian Singer movie and every single time we do a Kevin Spacey movie. No. Which, folks, I understand if you have a problem with it, but like we've said since the beginning, we're going to separate this shit and we're going to evaluate the art because allegedly Kevin Spacey and allegedly Brian Singer can go fuck themselves. They can go to hell. But... They're really good at what they do. <laughs> yeah. Their movies are really good most of the time. Right, yeah, and they're good at the characters they play. So, But should I tell a little tale of why? Because I don't know when people are listening to this. Like, they, True. They might not be known anymore, but these two guys have been canceled pretty much. Let's start with Brian Singer because he's allegedly a pervert! A sex pervert! Uh-uh. In 2014, he was accused in a civil lawsuit of sexually assaulting a minor. He's been uh, allegedly drug and raped. He was? Uh, he allegedly drug and, drugged and raped one of his act, an actor okay. at, at, at some like party he hosted. He's routinely been accused of uh, sexual of, harassment. Like, and... Yeah, there's been some acts on his sets that or, or you know, potential like things where he's like, does he does he cast to try to get he's young men? He's a predator. Yeah, does in he... other words, he's, yes. he's he's luring people in and being a predator with his actors and other people probably that are on his set. It's all alleged, are... however. It's all this is all <laughs> allegedly. I I think I think it's all alleged. Is it is it still alleged or is it still I is think it, so. it been like There's been allegations of it and okay so here I've got uh there have been a couple of lawsuits so in 2017 someone accused him of raping him when he was 17 mm-hmm. and then in 2019 there were sexual assault allegations again uh, and that got him kicked off of being, uh, like, in the Bohemian Rhapsody releases and stuff. Okay. And pretty much now he's done. So, yeah. Sex pervert. I I will say, though, knowing, I mean, yes, he's an alleged sex pervert. He's a horrible human being if, that, if, if those allegations are true. And like I said, he can go to hell. But we're just going to do his movies. It, this happens a lot, you know? Uh, great things come out of horrible people. And we need to get away from giving horrible people the opportunity to do good stuff, even if their stuff ends up being good. 
No, the horrible like, person, I, if they're horrible and we know they're horrible, you just, like, knock them out right away. Like, that's, that's we're going to do the, the X-Men. We're going to do the X-Men movies. And I hate the fact that he directed them, if he allegedly did, he really? did these things. Because... Did he really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And okay, great. Superman Returns. Ugh. And... <laughs> And Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm sure we'll do on the show too. Valkyrie, there's some there's some things there that we'll just have to mention it. We'll have to call him a sex pervert and an asshole and move on and talk about the rest of it because but we don't have to talk about him. We just talk about the movie exactly it, because period. there's so many he other doesn't people deserve that, time. He doesn't deserve time. That's right. The rest of the people deserve the time. The actors, the writers, the the crew. They don't deserve all of their good work to necessarily go into Correct. the dustbin. A lot just because... of people put their work into it. Just because there's this pervert doesn't mean that they get everything taken away sex as well. Pervert. I'm sorry, sex pervert. Um, this asshole I, sex I, pervert. I actually, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna steal this term from Red Letter Media. So thank you, Jay Bauman, but or Mike Staklasa. I can't remember which one of them said it. But a sex pest. I, I just oh, like a that sex term. Pest. So I think that we should just call them sex pests. All right, yeah. Well, because they are pests. We need to get, sweep them away. Get them away. And then bring out the other ones who deserve the light. Yeah. Like, we, there's got to be people that deserve a chance that haven't gotten a chance, and the sex pests keep getting the chances instead. Right. Yes. I'm not, we will not tell, talk about the backstory about Brian Singer. Uh, we will acknowledge that he directed something, but we're not going to go into anything else other than that. And I'm not going to praise the direction. Nope. Or, I mean, maybe we will on accident yeah, we'll or whatever. We'll see. It's, it's really just the movie itself. That's it. We're done with Brian Singer. Okay. So, Moving that's on. it. And now, the other sex pervert. Kevin Spacey! <laughs> Come on down! Uh... So... <laughs> God. <laughs> frustrating. So, Kevin Spacey, Sadly. he won the Academy Award for this movie, for playing Sadly. Verbal Kint. Yeah. Uh, his character in this movie. And we are going to watch a lot of stuff with Kevin Spacey in it, because quite frankly, it's a little hard not to. He's in a lot of shit. He is in a lot of stuff, yeah. <laughs> but when The Usual Suspects was being developed, he was kind of an unknown. He wasn't really a very known actor at all. And in fact, he saw at a screening of Brian Singer's first film, he, he watched that screening and he told Singer like he wanted to work with him on a future mm -hmm. project. Mm -hmm. Now knowing That's what we kind of know. Gross. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, it kind of makes feels you gross. wonder. It just makes me feel gross. Because. Because uh... they both did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Allegedly. I'm sorry, allegedly. allegedly they did similar possible things. Because recently, I think as part of the Me Too movement, yeah. Kevin Spacey has been accused of sexually assaulting some, I think adults. I think it was like an adult male back in the 90s. I think they and... were adults, yes. But they were point. young. They were like, very young. Well, I think the... it was kind of they were the same age at that point, maybe. I don't know. Like, one of these says... I thought the guy was young. I thought he was a kid. Oh, here we go. Kevin Spacey was charged with a felony for allegedly sexually assaulting an 18-year-old. He was 18. In 2016. He pled not guilty in 2019. Bunch of blah, 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 no, blah, blah. he said blah. it was consensual. 
Uh, and then he's been sued for it as well. So, oh, and then here's another one where sexual, he was, somebody accused him of sexually abusing him when he was 14 and Spacey was 24. So there you Ooh. go, folks. Hey, we're having fun tonight on Shelf Life. I might cut so all anyway. of this. <laughs> oh, fun stuff. So that, just so you know, that happened. I'll, so we I'll will now be only referring to his character as his character and not for, the actor. Yeah, it's verbal, no yeah. longer the character or the actor. It is only the character verbal. So, and, and look, I don't like going into this crap, but part of why, you know, part of us doing well, yeah. it is to... I, again, we're, I can't lapse fan this thing. I don't want to go into minute detail and, like, tell you every single thing because it's just, I do love the lapse fan for that. Like, folks, when we oh, yeah, get into great, wrestling, yeah. I'm going to refer you to the lapse fan all the time because they do a fantastic job of breaking all this dark, seedy shit down in that particular realm. But I just don't want to do all of it. With, I don't with think we have to. Our show. Okay. I don't like think maybe, we have to. It's maybe right. a separate show. Again, I, again. Yeah, if, if we, we want to talk get... about actors in general, I think we could do that. If I ever get my show, Hack Frauds, and we talk about all of frauds and, and, and hacks, <laughs> and we talk about Hollywood and Wall Street and all sorts of politics and all that. Hollywood kind of hacks. Exactly. <laughs> we can definitely go into the minute detail for that. But, but this is shelf life. This is about the actual art. This is about the fucking story. Right. I will end it on this. Gabriel Byrne, who plays Keaton in the movie, said, or I'm, I read in a article from 2017 that's on the Huffington Post, that in 1995, when they were filming, Byrne oh, told a British newspaper he didn't know the extent of the violence. They thought it was kind of a joke that people would say, that's Kevin. Not not me, Kevin, Kevin Spacey. But nobody really understood the depths of his predations. It was only years later that we began to understand that filming was closed down for a particular reason, and that was because of inappropriate sexual behavior by Spacey. On this movie? This, this is what Gabriel Byrne is telling uh, this British paper. So I I don't know. So he's speculating. I think he's speculating. I don't think he actually knows why they shut down, but he's assuming it is. He's from that. speculating that's because of that. Because I guess he they saw the him came out at the same time, and there was something that. Well, I think it's more like they it. saw him doing some things, maybe on set Possible. that yeah. that made it. Um, Kevin Pollock, who plays uh, Hockney in the movie, this is a great source that I'm using here: the IMDb trivia says that um, he was, Kevin Spacey was hitting on Brian Singer's boyfriend, and that's what shut down the production. So who knows? Mm. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. All right, so anyway. moving on, moving on. Let's get back back to how the movie, you know, (sighs) started pulling together. So the whole idea of the movie is... It's predicated on a poster, and the poster for the movie is a great poster. The poster for the movie is the five guys that are the main characters that are our thieves, and they're all standing in a in a lineup, mm-hmm. and like their shadows in the back. It almost feels like it should just be like a silhouette. It shouldn't right. be the five of them, and I think that's how the production company, Bad Had Harry, 
which is the production company that Singer ran or runs. I don't, it might not be under his control anymore, but they use like that as the, the logo sometimes. Right. That's, that's the whole birth of this story. And Christopher McQuarrie, who is the writer of The Usual Suspects, and he won an Oscar for this as well, said that that was kind of the inspiration for it. Christopher McQuarrie, you probably know some of his other stuff, Rachel. We'll, we'll get into it. Valkyrie, he wrote. The Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. Rogue Nation. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. I, okay. he's, he's a writer for a lot of the Mission Impossible movies. So they decided that they were going to make this script based off of the idea of five criminals that get together in a lineup and they decide to work together after the lineup. And that's the whole crux of the show. And right. They decide that they wanted specifically for Kevin Spacey to play Verbal Kent. And they had some different ideas of, of the different people that could play the other parts. Uh, so let's run down the lineup of the people that we've got in this. And, and then we'll kind of, you know, start with just the, the different cast. So Stephen Baldwin is one of the Baldwins. He's a strange cat. I feel like like every Baldwin, like... I think every Baldwin just is kind of an asshole. <laughs> they're just, they uh, they're like, quirk, yeah. it's like, it's a, it's an asshole chart. It's an asshole a spectrum. <laughs> it's a, it, I, or, or like a pie chart or like a Venda. I don't know what kind of graph it is. They're all on it, but they're in different regions of it. So like they're, they're all assholes, but they're assholes for di- different no, reasons. A Venn diagram. That sounds about right. You put asshole in the middle and then you put a Baldwin on either side yeah, there you and go. There's a little overlap yeah. onto why. Again, folks at home, do it for me. <laughs> but I think he's pretty good in this. So Stephen Baldwin's playing McManus. He was approached by them. I don't think he was their original choice, but then they approached him. He was hesitant because this is very much an independent film. Mm-hmm. It's distributed by MGM, but it is very much an independent film. This is Brian Singer's second movie, and he was pretty oh, really? young when they were okay. doing this. Yeah. Okay. So... It's a kind of like a, you know, one of those like, oh, like a wunderkind kind of situation. Baldwin was hesitant to do independent films because he'd been burned on them in the past before. Sure, sure. But ultimately decided to do it. And then you've got Gabriel Byrne, who plays Keaton. I would say Keaton's your protagonist. We'll get into it when we get into the, when we go walk you through the story. Rachel, I don't know if you agree with that or not, that Keaton's the protagonist. Um, uh, I guess, kind of? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about it. Okay. That's my argument. My thesis is this, that he's kind of the protagonist. He is the protagonist in the story we're being told in the movie. Yes, that's correct, yeah. Yeah. The other, um, we, we, I mentioned it, Kevin Pock is playing Hockney. He, again, same kind of thing. Like, he's this kind of unknown actor guy, but he's kind of a character actor, and then they liked him, so they, they wanted to get him. And then Fenster, who <laughs> Rachel laughs at just by the name I can't of... have the closed captions on. <laughs> Putting the closed captions on changes the whole dynamic of Fenster. Because if you watch this movie without the closed captions, you don't know what the fuck he's saying. No, you miss it. You miss it. I'm like, I'm so glad these are on. I'm like staring at the When you the turn words. it on, though, you, you absolutely can hear what he's saying. Yes. It's kind of different. Right. But he, it was originally supposed to just be an older actor. It was supposed to actually be like the veteran of the, of the team. Oh, interesting. And 
I, I think it was Kevin Spacey, I think, suggested Benicio Del Toro. Okay. Benicio Del Toro is not, not known at all at this point. He's a very unknown actor. But that's kind of the crew that, that we get. And then, when we, and then we'll get into some of the other actors later. But the whole idea with Fenster, and we'll talk about it when we go through the walkthrough, but it's, he talks a little like this, and he goes to the same, but he's saying it all. I talk about it the whole time. Because he so you, he's a, is he hung, Hungarian or is that the other guy? That's the other guy. So do we know the like the background to this one? See, or this not? is going to be interesting, folks, because <laughs> Rachel has only seen this once. <laughs> and I usually know every little detail. <laughs> so she's going to be doing this a lot. You're really going to be our June. Oh, I'm going to be June today. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, June. I love you. I really do. But I don't want to be you. <laughs> I, I'm trying to drink water here. You can't say that. <laughs> so anyway, Gabriel Byrne wasn't going to do the movie. Gabriel Byrne, Rachel, I don't know if you could tell, he's Irish, I think. He looks Irish. And he could didn't want to leave L.A. because he says personal reasons. So I don't know if he was going through family thing or health thing or what he just says like he he wasn't going to do the movie because of personal reasons the director changed the film schedule and tightened the film schedule so that he could do it in la so that might be why part of the plot takes place in la too i don't know but interesting they did it so he could really wanted him yeah okay they really wanted all these guys in the movie we Uh, handpicked you we need you period and so all of these guys were self-selected. The movie was shot for a budget of six million bucks. So it's pretty cheap, and it made a ton of money. Rachel, do you have the the money it made? Opening weekend, it made six hundred and forty-five thousand. Because it probably opened in like select theaters or something. Right. Gross U.S. and Canada was twenty-three million, and that was the same worldwide. So, Actually, yeah, so why why do they have it separated when it's the exact same number? That means it's just worldwide. <laughs> worldwide, it made twenty three million because they probably have the same template for every movie, and some movies make way more money. Sure. Yeah. yeah so it's a hit. It's a it's a legitimate hit, right? It won an it won Oscars. It's this sensation. So it really spurs the careers of pretty much all these guys in one way or another, some more than others, but it kind of allows a lot more work for everybody involved. So the question is, Rachel, do we talk about the twist now before we walk through, or do we talk about it as we go through the walkthrough? Maybe as we go. Okay. Maybe if it comes up, we talk about it. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Because I don't know. No, like, I think that's fair. He, so here's here's the deal. So here's the deal. You knew the twist coming back to it. So like yes. you, you, you rewatched it, but you already knew what the twist was. So now you're looking for all the little things yes. that happened with the twist. I watched it without knowing what, what I was watching at all. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know what to look for. So when the twist happened in my own head, I'm like, oh, okay, I think I know what's going to happen. And then the twist happens. I'd have to go back and rewatch it to yeah. see, okay, is there little things that happen in it that I missed? Well, and I guess that's going to be part of our does this make the shelf because, well, we'll get into it. The only other thing I will mention 
And Rachel, if you've got other stuff, feel free to have it as well. This movie score, I, I do like the theme to it. Uh, the score is not always top notch, but the theme is actually pretty good, in my opinion. Oh, okay. You singing it reminds me of it because I, I went, yeah, this is very 90s. It's got like a piano. It felt very 90s. It took but a I while do li- to like get started. But like- I do like that theme. <laughs> I, I do like the theme. And the interesting oh, thing fine. to me about the score is that it's done by John Ottman, who I've only ever known or ever only ever thought about because I just don't know a lot of inside stuff when it comes to like the behind the scenes of movies or compared to a lot of people that listen to podcasts about this stuff. But John Ottman, I've always known as the guy that does the scores for the X-Men movies. Because the X-Men scores I really like, and I've always associated those two things together. Yeah. John Ottman edited this movie as well. Okay. So John Ottman is really kind of an editor and a composer. So I think he's probably edited a lot of the other stuff by the same guy and done like the editing for the X-Men movies and stuff like that too. Yeah, it's just a, it's a very good It's very dramatic. It's very dramatic. I do like it. I do like it. Yes. (laughs) We'll put together the, uh... We need to put together the season one soundtrack for Shelf Life. And I think... Oh, well, like a remix of all the songs? Yeah, of, of, you know, like a little a little something for each episode that we did. <laughs> the Usual Suspects theme can, can be uh, on there, too. Are you just talking about you humming everything? <laughs> or are you <laughs> no, talking you wanna, about, you like, wanna... actually doing a remix of the music? Because I thought it was, like, a remix of the music, and then you made it sound like it's just you humming everything. <laughs> Well, that's a hell of an idea. <laughs> but, but I was actually thinking more of just being like, yeah, me humming everything. Now that's a hell of an idea. What do you want to say? No, 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 no. I'm not until we get to that point. That's what oh, I'm okay. Like, I know. I can't tell if we should talk about it now or not. We can't talk about it now. The problem is, we'll is that it. this is, this in a poll on IMDb, voted the best plot twist of all time. Okay. So we're uh, going to have to get into it. When we come back after it's this short twist. break. On a twist. It's we two walk through. It's a lie. The usual suspects. <laughs> Red herring. Right after this. Maybe that's one of my thoughts. Is because of Clue with the red herring bit. I'm like, that's a fucking red herring. This isn't true. I'm like, I know he's not the, the guy. It's got to be this guy. And that's literally what my brain went to. I'm like, this is a fucking red herring. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Is this? Oh my god! I think I figured out what the stupid reference was from. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta watch this. Hold on, give me some reference. Oh, okay. It's Doolittle time. Now on video. Do a little begging. Throw the ball. Throw the ball. Am I alone here? Am I all by myself? It's very irritating. Do a little yelling. Do a little dancing. Make a little love. Get down tonight. When one of the wildest comedies comes to video. Mrs. Guess. You're telling me. Eddie Murphy. Dr. Doolittle. Available now on video. This is the house of love. Rated PG-13. I am Kaiser Soze. We're back. You know, Rachel, the finest trick of the devil is to persuade you that he does not exist. But we will... Uh, there's no way to like tie that back into us being the truth for shelf life. 
Well, we're not trying to trick anybody. No, we're not trying to trick we're anybody. We're not tricksters. We're trying, trying we're, to open up your eyes. Right. We're, we're the opposite. The truth. That's right. We're opening up the... It's the truth. <laughs> we're um, the opposite of tricksters. So I cannot believe... First of all, I cannot believe that you didn't know that is Kaiser Sose. How did you go through your years of life? Years of life. <laughs> beep that out, too. <laughs> That's supposed to yeah, tell ble- yeah, bleep, I bleep those out, too, yeah. <laughs> I did not know that. I mean, because, all right, here's the thing. I've, I've heard the name Kaiser Sose. From Dr. Doolittle, as we expertly found out. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I've never, I just never, I don't know. I never was, I never knew it. I guess, is this, is this the same thing as not knowing who Luke's father is? I don't know. Is this the uh, I same mean, thing as not knowing who dies in uh, Harry Potter? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's according to a lot of people. Yeah, it's up there. Uh, but that's what make, that's what makes this episode And it's weird to me because, like, I know a lot of pop culture stuff. I know a lot of stuff. Yes, you do. You do know a lot of stuff. It's it's ridiculous. And I didn't know this. Or maybe I really was just trying to avoid it for some reason. Because I was like, well, if I ever watch it, I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Type yeah, of thing. which is always good if you can. Uh, you can you can get away with that where you don't know the twist that's happening. Right. I try to I try to do that a lot, but more with like modern things. Like oh, I absolutely. don't know what happened at the end of Loki or what, whatever. You know. Yeah, I like, still know nothing that happens on any of the Disney Plus shows. Yeah. Right. Which probably means that it doesn't I'm gonna matter. Disney Plus. But as I think. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, d- delete Disney, but don't delete Plus. <laughs> B plus. <laughs> Just going through some of the references, you may have also known the name Kaiser Soze because it is. They do make reference to it in a Mystery Science Theater episode. A couple. Oh, I would bet I know. Um, like Servo says Kaiser Soze or something. Yeah, hundred percent. Crow. Oh, Crow. Crow. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, both of them do. Servo says it too. So you've you've heard that name, and you just know it's like a name in pop culture. Yeah. Like for all you knew, it was just like a reference to some well, like it's like just calling some somebody John Doe. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's it's some famous guy. Never looked it up. I don't know why. Just never looked it up. But I I just I like I said I know the reference because it's I am Kaiser Sose. I know that. I know that. That's about it. <laughs> I know it's a reference. <laughs> and now I know where it comes from. And he's actually a bad dude. So, <laughs> uh, according, according to this, one of my, apparently in Harvey Dent's office in the Dark Knight, he has a box of files marked Kaiser Soze. Does he really? That's a fun little Easter egg now. that I never knew. Huh. Because I, I'm just going through the little list of things where uh, people were, where Kaiser Soze is mentioned. They mention it a lot on Rift Tracks and, and of course. Uh, Mystery Science Theater, of course. Well, of course they do. It makes sense. Which is probably another reason I know the name so well, that it, like, stuck. Right. Well, and that's and that's what I like about Mystery Science Theater, because it gives you those references, and you either know them or you don't, but you can still laugh along. I can still enjoy it. It's the beauty of, it's it's that beauty of what we like, where it's fart, you can do a fart humor and you can do an esoteric joke. One day we're going to get good enough at it that we, that we can do it as 
in in homage to the our favorites but oh the like guardians of the galaxy the mugshot montage introducing each character oh, yeah. is the same as yes. the usual suspects i knew that i knew that one <laughs> i recognized that <laughs> oh man so stuff like that right but let's get into it because this actually might be the shortest movie we've done so far on shelf life weirdly enough which is probably gonna be the longest one we talk about then <laughs> no, I, well uh, hey maybe but that's might why be we're the here. shortest one we don't know you don't know we don't know we don't i feel like know. there's a lot we can skip over <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> That is that's sacrilege based Honestly, on your the movie felt like a lot your of guidance. All right, your montage guidelines. Montage. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Unbelievable. I'm kidding. Right, here we go. <laughs> so it starts with you're not. You're not. Don't don't fucking apologize. Don't fucking apologize, Rachel. We're the this whole we're the fucking truth seekers here. God, it's our shelf. If people want it or not on their shelf, that's their prerogative. No, no, no. Whatever we say, they have to do. They, that's, they're gonna, that's right. Because uh, like, we're an internet podcast, and you correct. have to agree with every internet podcast. Yeah. That's so, the. That's that's a law. Right. I'm pretty sure. It is. Yeah, you could get fined. Yeah, yeah, just a fine. When someone still. when someone comes and checks out your shelf, they have to make sure that it's right. It's when the shelf properly, inspector comes, it's properly stocked with the oh, right there, that, things. I think that's a, I think that's a we have the shelf, shelf inspector because <laughs> it can be worn by assholes that wear like female body inspector shirts, but also it's completely innocent because we're literally talking about <laughs> movies <laughs> and TV shows and books. Oh shelf inspector. Looks like it's hanging a little bit there, ma'am. You could oh, use you... a little bit more support. Oh, you have white chicks on your shelf? That's going to be a $50 fine. Uh... That's a $50 fine. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. That one's not supposed to be even in this household. <laughs> yeah. There's another one. I like this idea. Folks at home, send in. Not your own shelves, because obviously, if you're listening to this, you you have uh, a shelf that passes oh, the shelf inspector's shelves. test. But you know, send in your friends, send in your your significant others' shelves. Oh, I want to see your shelves to your communities. 100%. Like if we get a community going on our website or like on a Reddit or whatever, show like, us your shelves. Show us, show us your shelves. <laughs> and then somebody uh, uh, a a. A worthy, trustworthy member of the community will inspect your shelf. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll inspect your shelves. Don't worry. Just please I don't know if send I them in to, to shelflifethepodcast at gmail.com. It's been getting nothing but <laughs> spam and porn, so send something to it. Oh, so God. anyway, <clears throat> the movie begins. The movie begins with the MGM lion. Always good to see the MGM lion. I'm a big fan of the MGM lion. Yes. I don't know if the MGM lion has a name. Does the MGM lion have a name? I'm going to call him Cecil if he doesn't have a name. It's Leo the lion. Oh, if he does, it's Leo? <laughs> it's Leo okay. the lion. So from now on, we're not saying the MGM lion. We're saying Leo introduces us to the film. Because it's a real lion. The real yeah, lion's real name lion. is Leo. Okay, perfect. I learned something today. I learned that Dr. Doolittle was how you knew about Kaiser Soze. 
and Leo the Lion. So Leo the Lion growls, introduces us to... How embarrassing. (laughs) Leo the Lion introduces us to the film, and we get the opening credits, which are... They're good opening credits. They start on a black background. It's the 90s opening credits, and it fades into, like, the ocean at night, so you get, like, a little bit of, like, that ocean ripple with the light making the ripple. Right. I do like that. You see some little bit of light. This is where the theme comes in. Uh, it just goes through the credits. So that's the beginning of, of the movie. And it starts with San Pedro, California, which is our main location. There's two locations, San Pedro and New York. San Pedro, the main, the, the driver of the plot is San Pedro. And it says San Pedro, California last night. So we're starting off with a bit of a flashback. And you get Keaton, who, uh, as we said, is played by Gabriel Byrne is trying to light a cigarette or he's lighting a cigarette there's a bunch of oil on the ground it's like kind of streaking across a boat he drops the cigarette to try to let the flame kind of go on the path Mm -hmm. of the oil right and we don't really know what's going on at all at this point obviously so we just know that this guy is letting something go on fire he looks like he's out of breath yeah, he looks exhausted. He looks like <laughs> just like done. <laughs> yeah. And he's I don't know how to describe Gabriel Byrne. He just looks kind of like a guy. He's got he's got a he's got a distinguished look to him, I would say. Yeah. And he clearly is like a bit put out, but as the flame kind of goes along its path, suddenly it's stopped by some sort of liquid. And I thought even watching it the first, the second time, because this is the second time I've seen it, but even watching it this time, I was like, is that piss? And then, and then it turns out that it is. There's just this yep, that's gross. stream of piss <clears throat> knocking out the flame. It's very gross. So he also plays fireman like the kids in South Park. I was thinking that is a hell of a stream because one, it has to have... <laughs> It has to have the bandwidth and the consistency uh. to make it off of... Because what we find out, the re- the, revel- the the revelation, the revelation, the reveal, the revelation that we get is that there's a man in a dark black coat and yes. a hat. You can't very see his face. Very noir outfit, yes. Yes, very noir. And he's pissing off the side of like a balcony right. onto the flame. So one, this man... This is how we know this man is badass. He can piss off the side of this balcony and hit his... T- I know, I keep saying hard pee. It's so gross. You can't, it's a hard pee, man. It totally this is, is a hard, hard pee. pee. <laughs> he hits accurately and full on. I don't know what he had to do to come up with this amount of pee because I feel like if I was pressed to do this, mm-hmm. couldn't do it. Couldn't let this flame go. Well, I don't know if that means something. If I'm revealing too much about myself, I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. This might, is have, just... might have to cut that out. Might have to cut out that part. <laughs> Let me do an alternate it. take. This is the consistency that he has on this stream is very impressive, in my opinion. I just think it's gross. And Keaton looks upset about the fact that it's put out because he's like, whatever plan he had to go on here ruined. Right. And the hooded figure kind of walks up to him. Again, we don't see his face. And Keaton chuckles. 
kind of smirks and he goes, I can't feel my legs, Kaiser. And he says it in a way that you you realize you don't know why yet, but there is meaning to him saying Kaiser. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And he, says the, it, he says it with like a... Like a malice there's a, there's a, Yeah, exactly. Like a malice in his voice. There's a tone to it. Like, oh, okay, Kaiser. Uh, you would like, like you would have like you would have said if you didn't know what Kaiser Soze meant. Yes. Okay, Kaiser. I am Kaiser Soze. It doesn't even make that reference it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> it doesn't in the context. <laughs> it doesn't not anymore. It really doesn't make any goddamn sense. The figure asks him if he's ready. Ask Keaton if he's ready. And Keaton asks him what time it is. I don't know if he just kind of wants to know what time it is or what. There's some things that I've read where Keaton or Hockney set a bomb, and okay. that's why he's asking what time it is. Could be. So he know how, like, what the countdown. Yeah, but maybe they changed it, or they just never got rid of that in the drafts. I interpret it as him just kind of wanting to know what time it is before he, I don't know. Maybe it's more it's just like It's one of those the... weird things where you know you're going to die, so you ask something simple. Yeah. Something, something mundane. Yeah. And I thought it kind of speaks to Keaton's character, too, of just, like, asking something mundane, like, knowing he's done for. Right. So he's like, it, it could have been, like, I'm missing the game. You know, like, something like that, you know? Right. Like, if his next line would like, have been, uh, like... I'm not going to make that dinner. Or I'm not going to make that flight. Yeah, right. like, something like that. Yeah. And he shoots Keaton, and we get lots of shots of the boat. So just a lot of, a lot of establishing shots of a boat. Which I guess is is part of that noir feel, but just lots of, and that's it, right? And yeah. the guy drops the cigarette as he leaves, and it sets the flame off toward the uh, like these barrels of oil, mm-hmm. and the boat blows up, and that's kind of our introduction, our cold open, or I guess it's not a cold open because there were opening credits, but like that's the introduction to the film, that's the, that's the hook. Right. It's let's show you the climax and then jump backwards. Which sometimes I I think it works effectively here because the essence of this story is they're telling us, a, like we're being told a story. I think sometimes writers and I, I use it kind of as a crutch because it is a good narrative device. Yes. Because it always lets you, and sometimes it doesn't work because then there's not a lot of stakes until you get back to that part in the story. Yeah. But right. I think it works. I think it works well. Well, here. I think it works well here because he actually has to tell the story as to how did we get there? It actually happened in his past. So he's actually presently giving us the story of something that already happened. It's not like he's telling us the story while it's happening, which a lot of narrators do, right? Narrations in movies. It's like, okay, well, this is what's yeah. happening. He's actually yeah. telling he's us literally the story telling of us what story. happened. He's right. like giving us a play-by-play. Right. Right. There's, I think he's giving two different play-by-plays because we go into narration. So we get Verbal Kent, who is Kevin Spacey, giving testimony. Mm-hmm. And he starts with six weeks before the, the, bl- boat, explosion. the boat explosion. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know what to call it. But yeah, boat explosion. Because we don't know anything else about it. It was a boat explosion. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we end up... Oh, when you get to the point, Rachel, where you think that you've figured it out and stuff, you have to you have to say okay. when you think like you've you're figuring stuff out. Yeah. And they say that it it started with 
somebody robbed somebody robbed like a gun delivery like a truck it was a van it was yeah it was like a, it was like a truck or a van yeah so they ended up rounding up the usual suspects they don't actually say that in the movie but like that's they the don't idea. and i was confused because i'm like there's already a montage of them rounding up the suspects and i was like are, are we already going on a heist like i'm like is the heist already started like <laughs> I got a little confused, but it was like, okay, like I'm, I'm still with you. But I like that because it, it, it starts off a little bit different than you would normally expect because right. we're getting we're getting introductions to our characters and we, we are finding out a little bit about them. I like the way it gives the introduction to the characters instead of let me spell everything out for you and mm-hmm. then we'll introduce the characters with every detail. I kind of get sick of that because I feel like that's the new way of doing it is like, let me just tell you everything up front. I don't want that. I want to have to infer. What's like an example of that that you're thinking of? Where they I'm just spell out the entire too. movie yeah, like, I mean, and explain the plot to you every freaking two seconds. I well, feel like I there's a of, lot of new movies well, that do I'm, that. I'm thinking, of the, I'm thinking of not the Suicide Squad, but I'm thinking of Suicide Squad. Oh, the original. Yeah, that one was horrible. This is Katana. Her yep. soul, her sword contains like that. You mean? Yes. Where it's like, sh- no, show me what these characters' personalities are. Yes. Don't tell me what these characters. Don't tell me are. their whole plot and story and everything. That's they exactly do a little what bit. It is. That's it. They, yes, it was definitely Suicide Squad that came through that in my head. Well, they do a little bit. Like if you're putting together a team and and like especially a heist style plot, I get being like, this is Hockney. He's good with explosives. But that's like, it. Cut. Don't. Then don't tell me anything else. Show me his personality. Okay, I get it. This is our explosives, man. The personality, like, okay, I gotcha. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think that. Don't tell me their whole life stories. I want them to, like, slowly give me something or make me interpret, like, oh, okay, I think he was this kind of a guy or, you know, stuff like that. This is his archetype. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I like that it it does that part of it. But I was a little confused during most of this movie. Oh, Academy Award, <laughs> Academy Award winning writing here for Christopher McQuarrie. So the first character that we get, unless you have them written down, Rachel, and you wanted to go character by character, otherwise I'll keep no, no, keep going. It's doing right. play by play. The first character we get is Stephen Baldwin, who's playing McManus, and he gets picked up in his sleep. So like he's on this dingy bed, like he's on a mattress that's yeah, just really on a gross. floor. Right. He has no bed frame. He's just on a floor. Yes. And, oh, so he's just woken up by the cops busting in. Right. And he's kind of like, oh, fuck you guys. <laughs> like, that's kind of his attitude toward it. Exactly. This happens to him every Saturday. Yes. I do like the like, use of... Couldn't you have come a few hours later? <laughs> yeah, like, come on, let me sleep. You know I'm going to show up at the freaking precinct. Right. But I do like the use of sound here because yes. as the cops are... Pulling him getting away. Getting ready to drag him away. It goes... It sounds like think, bullets. Yeah, it sounds like they like shot him up. Which we know today they would have just shot him. Yes. But <laughs> this is a movie, so they actually take him in. And, and, it, and it takes us to the next character, who is Hockney, played by Kevin Pollack, who works at a garage or owns a garage. Yeah, I think so. I couldn't tell what, what's what. He's fixing up cars. Is yeah, what he's doing, and, and so at and, least something like that. And the sound is because like there's like a paint paint can like shaking. Yep, is making the noise. Yeah, I liked that transition. I I liked that. I noted that. And <laughs> they come in, and there's like eight guys there or whatever, and they're like, "Mr. Hockney, we need to take you downtown or whatever." 
And Hackney goes underneath the car, and they all pull guns out at the same time. Oh, yeah, time. they all run up to him. Again, they would have just shot him. Right. Now we know that. But but at the time, or in the movies, so Hackney just pulls out, like, he, like, pulls out, like, like a rag to, like, dab his yeah. face. And he's right. like, did you bring enough guys? So, <laughs> to your point, it gives us this idea that, one, both of these, McManus and... Hockney are just kind of like whatever to the right. cops. They're very yeah. laissez-faire. Exactly. And I like that. Like, okay, you already get like their personality kind of like who they're going to be just from those split seconds of them pulling them into the precinct. Mm-hmm. And then you get Fenster, Benicio Del Toro, who is, <laughs> he's a snappy dresser. He's wearing this, I think throughout the entire movie, he's wearing like a bright dress shirt with a black coat the entire yes, time. I think so. But I think we just see him walking around the streets. He's yes, a little he's more hesitant. He's just walking around. He's trying. He's, he like, he's like, realizes... ah, he sees him immediately. He's like, I'm yeah. just gonna walk the other way. <laughs> right. Yeah. He tries to walk the other way, and you did it. You did a perfect impression of him walking too. He does kind of like the march walk, <laughs> where his arms go up high. Yeah. And they just they kind of just arrest him. But the, yeah, they don't. He doesn't like try to fight back or anything. It's just kind of like, oh, maybe they didn't see me. <laughs> And knowing what to, because Benicio del Toro's in a lot of stuff now, but like seeing him then, he looks so young. He does. So like, like when a, you said he was supposed to be the old guy, I'm like, is he? Well, no, they they rewrote. The I mean, they guy? they redid the part a little bit when, with Benicio del Toro because oh, okay, when they decided he could do it, they kind of said like, okay, in reality, he's the young guy. Sure. And and it ends up being like he's McManus's partner sort of it yeah. sounds like they like partner they up know on... each other they've they've done yeah. stuff together yeah this voice that you'll hear which again i, I know i did it in the first place but uh the criminal that's what I, I mean just put a clip in of him doing some shit <laughs> what are you saying i say you'll flip you he'll what flip you flip you for real yeah i'm shaking come on okay answer my question and you hit me in the back hello but apparently that was, uh, Del Toro told the director he was going to do that something. That was his choice? Okay. Yeah. So that's a choice. That's an actor's choice. He wanted <laughs> to do this. And a lot of the people it being like... It was almost like, like caravan. I was going to a caravan. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot like that. It's like, that. okay. <laughs> Add that to the list, by the way. Oh, God, yes. But surprisingly, one of Rachel's I love favorite movies. Snatch. But... <laughs> but... A lot of in the movie when people are like, the fuck did he just say is because the actors did not, like, they were ad-libbing because <laughs> they, they did not know what he said. But they were still at being their character, which is more fun for me. <laughs> so we get the famous scene. This is one of the one of the most famous scenes probably in the movies, just really? in general. I think so. Like, if you're going to pick two... There's two scenes from The Usual Suspects that I think people could either parody or that are very famous or that are, for lack of a better term, iconic. And it's this lineup scene. Oh, no, no, you're, you missed a twist. person. Oh, you're right. I missed Keaton. That's why I was confused. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're okay. right. So I miss Keaton. So we see a... We go to a fancy restaurant. Is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're at it, so we're at a fancy so we, so we went from being at these, you know, a little bit more, like, dirty places, and now we're at a fancy restaurant. That's the, my only thought there. But that is establishing Keaton. Exactly! So a, it shows a, his prestige amongst the, the crew. Yeah. 
and there's a guy in a tan suit that is way too big for him and that's the 90s for you <laughs> and he's there with he's there with His shoulders uh, are ridiculous he looks ridiculous in this i mean which i guess kind of plays into what we learn about him later too yeah because he is kind of faking the funk a little bit he's trying to i don't know but him and this woman are with these two guys that are talking French about business. Like they're they're clearly trying to like do a business deal. Right. But before anything can be done, we get some cops coming in, and they give us a little bit more backstory of just like, oh, Mister Keaton, you look pretty good, Keaton. Right. <laughs> for I don't remember if they say for a dead man here or not. I can't remember. Um... I could see it being like for a dead man. Well, yeah, that just sounds like uh, Tony from. Is it Tony from The Simpsons? What's his name? Tony so Falcone. What's I know. Falcone? And what it's is his not name? Fat Tony. Fat Tony. It's not Fat Tony. So <laughs> like four different names. This is where we get. This is where we get our introduction to Dave Kuyan. Kuyan is the cop that that is played a lot in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's not. Fat Tony, but it, he does sound and look a lot like. Well, the way you Joe said Montana. it, like for a dead yeah. man, it was like, okay, that sounds like Fat Tony. Yeah. <laughs> but they bring in Keaton too, and Keaton kind of tells the rest of the table, like, no, 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 keep doing your thing. This will be done soon. Mm-hmm. So now we get into the scene of the lineup. Now, do you agree oh, with no, me he about says the lineup? Time for another one. That's what he says. Oh, okay, okay. So now we've we've rounded up the you guys. You look good, Keaton. Better than I would have thought. Yeah, that's what that's I figured. So it's good, though, because you would have missed Keaton. So I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, for our, I mean, a normal podcast would have just kept going. But here on Shelf Life, we hit every fucking scene because that's what we do. So you got to do it. All right. So, okay. The most famous scene now. Do you agree, though, that this would be yes. like considered the iconic scene? Okay. No, yes, I do agree that this actually would be a very iconic scene. It's one, it's the poster. Right. And then it's the idea. It's where the movie It's was probably burned. the only scene I've ever seen of the movie before this. Yeah. I've seen the scene before. Yeah. So the whole idea of the scene is that they're being asked to say a line and, and step back. And the, Rachel, you know the line? You want me to say the line or do you, or do you want to say the line? <laughs> yeah give me a, could you pl- could please step forward say the line <clears throat> alright you all know the drill when your number is called step forward and repeat the phrase you've been given understand number one step forward hand me the keys you fucking cocksucker number two step forward Give me the fucking keys, you fucking cocksucker motherfucker! Knock it off, get back. Number three, step forward. <laughs> How many keys, you cocksucker? In English, please. Excuse me. In English. How many fucking keys, you cocksucker? What the fuck? Number four, step forward. Hand me the keys, you fucking cocksucker. All right, I'll. I'll or if I I'll or do... if I say it, then do you want to do you want to say the next one? Or just, Give me the fucking keys, you motherfucking cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> Hand me the keys, you cocksucker. 
What the fuck? In English? <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? The way he says that. I don't know why, but this when they're all saying it slightly differently, all I can think of is these pretzels are making me thirsty. So I will say, hand me the keys, you fucking cocksucker. Oh, I like that. That was very yeah, thank good. You. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you. Folks at home, give us your best hand me the keys, you fucking cocksucker. <laughs> Hand me the keys. Hand fucking me the keys, you fucking <laughs> cocksucker. Hand me the keys, you fucking cocksucker. But yeah, they go through the lineup, and each one of them does it slightly differently, but they do it, yes. but you get a little bit of their personality as they're doing it, so. Right. They're all laughing, and. I know the joke. I know why they're laughing. I've heard this before, too. Go ahead. Well, one of them farted. Yeah, so the. <laughs> The, the story the story is that one of them farted. It's probably Benicio Del Toro. So they were all laughing about it. it stunk. <laughs> and they just kept going. But it works in the narrative. Oh, it's so, so perfect. This was supposed to be serious. And it's all ad-lib. So Stephen Baldwin going like, Give me the keys! <laughs> and, and Benicio Del Toro going like, What the fuck? Oh, yeah. That's all ad libs, but stuff. it's perfect because they're acting as their character, right? It all what makes they would sense. do, yeah, and it all makes sense that they're all laughing about it because they think it's like stupid that they're all there. Like they all know each other, they all know that they're career criminals, right? So they're all like, "This is fucking lame that we're here." It's like, and... why are you questioning all of us? You know which one it was, type of thing. Yeah. So again, it's a great scene, and it makes. It kind of does make the movie, and and it makes it even better that their original thought was that it should be serious, but it's being mm-hmm. played for laughs. Right. So after that scene, we get them being interrogated, and I do like the framing on them being interrogated because there's this big ass light that right. shines on them, and you don't really see the police faces; you just see like their torsos, and it's them being well, they're being questioned, flippin', flippant about yes. Yeah, they're being flippant about being questioned by the police. Right. So I particularly wrote down Hockney because he just asked, like, can I get a lawyer? And we get, like, how sarcastic he is to the cops. Oh, yeah, when he was like, I want a lawyer. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the line that I wrote down that he says is one of the cops asks him what's going to happen to him if he goes back to prison. Right. And Hockney goes, fuck your father in the shower and then have a snack. (laughs) Which is such an odd thing to say, but he says it. It's so weird. This is like, I I, see this is not knowing what I was going into. All of this was weird to me. I'm sitting there going, (laughs) I have no idea what I'm in for right now. The other thing that is interesting is that he is the one that calls them cocksuckers too. Yes. Hockney does. Yes, he does. Foreshadowing, perhaps. 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 Mayhaps. (laughs) Kisas. That's a stupid ass reference. Oh, we're doing that one now. I'm putting it on the list. (laughs) Damn it. I mean, we're doing all of Shia LaBeouf's movies. So, I mean, obviously. The Shia LaBeouf series is going to be. The Shia LaBeouf series? (laughs) An entire season of all of Shia LaBeouf's movies? Yes, everything he's done. Shia LaBeouf. The Shia LaBeouf series. (laughs) Shia Surprise. Whenever Um, we do. Holes. Do you know that song? 
What song? Where it goes, shy a surprise, he can do jujitsu. <laughs> no, I don't. How <laughs> do you not know that? And he's, he's actually in it, and he applauds them at the end. I do not know what you're talking about. <laughs> All, right, All right, I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> want to share that All with right. you, though. Okay. And there's... <laughs> Shia well, surprise. There's make a sure whole you, thing. <laughs> make sure, make sure you write that down as a, a note that we're gonna do the Shia LaBeouf se- se- season. What is happening tonight? <laughs> <laughs> we're not even ten minutes into the fucking movie. They interrogate Keaton, and you don't quite understand what they're getting at. But he's like, they made a mistake. Why didn't they ask him? He's been walking around the the with the same face the whole time. It was right. their mistake. That's the Kent, verbal Kent, who's doing the voiceover, telling us the story, mm-hmm. is saying the real prize for them was Keaton. And we right. don't really know why the real prize for them was Keaton yet. And then one of the cops punches him. So what we end up learning, and we learn it kind of in the next scene, we aren't learning in the next couple of scenes, but we'll just kind of say it now. Because you, you get these little hints throughout the story, or throughout the first act, first and second act probably, is that... The backstory of Keaton is that he was, we don't learn that, we don't learn the second part about him, but we learn that he's, he's gone clean. Mm-hmm. He was crooked. He was a criminal, but he's not a criminal anymore. He's trying to go clean. He's trying to be a businessman. I'm wondering if he's like more of a con type of business guy, but. Right, well, let's, we can get into that. I think that's what Kuyan thinks for sure. Kuyan thinks that Keaton is using Edie, the girl that we saw at the dinner with him, which is his girlfriend. Right. And she is a lawyer. She she works, I can't remember if she works at, as, at the DA's office or she just is a lawyer, but she's a lawyer. And he is dating her. He's trying to make business deals. We never find out what the business deals are throughout the entire right. movie. Right. We right. could speculate on what those business deals are. It's with two French guys. That's the only thing we know. Did, did we ever hear what they said? I don't think so. So, I, I mean, I, I would say, if I had to guess, I mean, it's French guys in New York, and we see her apartment. So, do you art. think it's art? Yeah. Do you think it has something to do art, with I art? I think art would make sense. 100%. Now that we're actually, like, drilling it a little bit, art would make sense. And, and then that, in that and in that case, I really do think he's doing something sketchy. <laughs> and I think it's anytime sketchy. there's an art dealer, quote unquote, yeah, art <laughs> I feel like he's sketch. like, well, you're an art dealer. Interesting. Let me do these things on the back end where we can import export. Oh, you think he's an importer exporter? I think he's an importer exporter. She might be an art dealer, but he's an importer exporter. But maybe because of his background in crime, he's trying to go as a legitimate importer-exporter. Oh, you think he's actually, like, trying to eye up any bad things and being like, don't deal with that one, do this oh, one? Oh, like a, like a catch-me-if-you-can situation? Yeah. No, I, I think, Which, I mean, he could enough, be. we were watching last night as well after he, we watched this. He could be. He could be trying to do something like that. I don't know exactly what it is, but I truly do believe... Based on the story yeah. that we're told, he's looking for redemption. He's trying sure. to go clean, which is kind of interesting because we've had a few topics now on Shelf Life in this season where that's the main character's focus. Is I don't know if it's just I don't know if it's just a theme and a is pattern. Is that a nineties theme? 
Is that like a thing to do in the 90s as a redemption arc for the main character? Well, I mean, you can you can argue Zeke in Faculty. That's what right? I, I was going to say. Yes, that's one of the ones I thought of. He's not seeking redemption. He's seeking purpose. Correct, yeah. Because he doesn't care that he is a burnout. He knows or... what he is, and he's not actually that. You know, he is smart. He knows he's smart. But he's redeeming himself in the eyes of others. Because I they, would say... they realize who he is. But I would say Alan in Small Soldiers is seeking redemption. And yes, folks, I, I just compared guess. Keaton from I The Usual like Suspects. I don't like To Alan from Small Soldiers. Alan Abernathy. He is seeking redemption, though. Is he? He's, I guess he is. Trying... He was kind of a jackass at his other school, so... Right, so he's trying to prove that he can be responsible. That's, right. That is That's, his art. Oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. Yes, you're right. But even in, like, some of the TV we've watched... In the Twilight Zone episodes, a couple of those episodes of the Twilight Zone deal with redemption. That's so true. It's uh, Wolverine. Wolver. Oh, hundred percent. That's a big one. Absolutely. Yeah. The arc for Keaton and and Old Man Logan is, is that similar. Our theme? Is that our theme? <laughs> do we do we have a theme? Are we, are we looking for redemption? Is that what this whole podcast is about? I think shelf. Lo- I mean, obviously, we are looking for. Redemption. We're redeeming. We're trying the... to redeem art. All, all oh. the art. Oh, the main event might be the main event of this season. We're we're looking high and low. That's right. For redemption, you know, for sometimes it. you have to dig some stuff, and sometimes you can't find redemption. That's correct. It's, so we'll get there, but maybe. My we God, Rachel, been. we might have found some sort of theme. Holy cow. To- we, we didn't planned even try. That. We planned that. <laughs> no, we didn't. We planned it. <laughs> it, it was totally un- unplanned. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. It was a great, it was a great idea. That was planning the entire time. <laughs> it was my idea. <laughs> so they put all five of them in a holding pen, and Fenster Together. is mad. Yeah. And he's babbling about, like, well, treat me like a criminal. Oh, treat me like a criminal. Yeah, he's like pacing and everything. Hockney is trying to take a nap. And Keaton is having a hard time with that Irish accent, man. It is coming out. Why don't you shut the fuck up? Like he, it's <laughs> you put in some put in some clips in this. You're gonna hear like a little bit of that Irish brogue come out of Gabriel Byrne. I now I gotta check if he's Irish or if he's Scottish. Or he's something in the UK. There's a lot of different dialects. Oh of, yeah, of Irish, Dublin, so... Ireland. He is Irish. Oh, he's actually from Dublin. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And you hear it, man. There are some lines where he's. Later on, at the toward the end of the movie, where he goes, "There is no fucking cook." It might as he might as well do. Did a he say fucking cook? Yeah. <laughs> there is no fucking cook. It might, well, no, he doesn't say it like a like a the Bears Chicagoan. Well, I'm sorry that that came out. I meant I meant it more Irish. There's a lot of Irish in Chicago. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Polish. Whatever. Chicago, I believe. They no, love their Polish sausage. Yeah, no, there are. Yeah, you're right. They 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 do their river green and whatever. But well, not that kind of Irish. I meant the real Irish. But yeah, McManus. <laughs> McManus tells Keaton that he thought he was dead, and Keaton's like, "You heard it right." <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Gabriel Byrne is very good in this. He definitely captures that like sad, broken man. Yeah. But it, it, I hear the accent sometimes. I just—they all have a accent of some sort. So, yeah, it gives them a little character, right? And the others pop in saying Keaton's gone straight. They're surprised by this. They don't believe it. There's no way. The great Dean and Keaton. His wife is a lawyer. His wife is a lawyer. 
Yeah. The great Dean Keaton has gone straight and all this stuff. So they're they're kind of badgering him about it. Mm-hmm. And Keaton doesn't want anything to do with these people. He keeps telling him, why don't you shut the fuck up? And like things like oh, this. Yeah. He just That is the accent he has the entire time. Yeah, I'm telling that you. They, up. That's it how sneaks, he says it, it fuck sneaks up. in yeah. on certain words. They also say that like, oh yeah, I heard he's tapping this criminal lawyer and stuff like that. Right. But McManus keeps kind of pressing him about it. McManus is a hothead. He's an asshole. Hackney is too. Mm-hmm. And, we'll, and I'll get into it a little bit later on because I think the movie could be improved a little bit if you separate these characters a little more. Hackney and McManus. Because these two guys are always at each other's throats. Always. They're always pissed off at each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're pissed off at each other because they're essentially fulfilling a similar personality type. Of just like this hothead guy. Well, when you put two hotheads together, they're going to be even hotter. Yeah. Because they'll wire each other up. Right. And I guess that's the point. I just, well, we'll get into it. I, I, I think that they could separate the personalities a little bit. And you'd make have them a more little bit more different. Yeah. Right. They're trying to figure out who stole the truck. And Keaton's kind of like, this was a shakedown. Nobody stole the truck. It's always you four dummies are always the people that they call in here. They never put four felons in a lineup. They'll give like a homeless guy 20 bucks and they'll put him in the lineup before they would put four felons in the same lineup. Right. And he thinks it's the feds. So he thinks like the FBI told the NYPD put together a lineup and the NYPD don't know who did it. Mm -hmm. So they're like, well, fuck it. Just get five guys that we know are usual suspects and we'll bring them in. We'll do the thing, and then we'll be done with it. Because even Keaton's like a public defender could get them off by just a vocal match. That's not good. Uh, good enough evidence. Sure. Right. So th- he thinks it's just kind of like a setup or something. He doesn't know why yet, but he thinks it's a setup. Right. But they're still trying to figure out who stole the truck, and we suddenly go over to Verbal Kent, and Verbal Kent because he's is... kind of the outlier. Yeah, the other because ones know each other, but they don't know this. They don't really gimp, know verbal, as kid. they call him. Yes, they call him a gimp, which is probably offensive. And well, he... it's it's what they call him, though. That's their it's yeah, their that's terminology they, for him. him. And he is a like a very very soft spoken guy. And I think what we find out is that he like did time because of, for like white collar crimes, almost like for fraud right. or something. I think it was something like that. And he has Bell's palsy. So his left foot drags. He can't mm-hmm. walk with his left foot. He, so he gimps. Yeah, it's kind of like and his whole left side is a little bit more. Yeah, uh, his left arm. His left else. arm doesn't work. His left hand doesn't work. He comes up. And they're like, what is your name? And it's verbal because he talks too much. So People it's not say even a real name then. It's actually just kind of a, a, a no, his real. Name. His real name is Roger, he says, but oh, they, people okay, call I him that. verbal. <laughs> yeah. Roger. Um, Roger. I'm Kaiser Soze. <laughs> now that's a theory. And then he just falls over drunk. Maybe, <sighs> maybe Roger the alien is Kaiser Soze. I mean, he has all those characters. Oh, I, could see I bet him he being is. Kaiser Soze. I'm sure Someone... there's an episode of American Dad where I bet he there is, was Kaiser Soze. Oh, I kind of want to find out now. Someone <laughs> please send me a link to that episode or superimpose Roger in the movie as Kaiser Soze. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually all for that now that that's been brought up. Uh, 
McManus kind of says that he thinks that maybe they're all together, that they should do a job together. Yeah. Because they're all experienced criminals. They all could do this job together. And McManus wants to do it. Everybody else wants to do it. And Keaton's like, why don't you shut the fuck up again? Like, he right. doesn't want anything to do with it. He doesn't even want to know about it. Because if he knows about it, then he can be implicated. He's technically blah, blah, blah. an accessory, and he knows right. things, and blah, blah, blah. So, while Keaton doesn't want to have anything to do with it, the rest of them do. So, it sounds like the rest of them are going to have a job together. Meanwhile, Keaton doesn't want... Keaton gets bailed out by the lawyer, by his girlfriend or wife, whatever it is. And we get lots of faces at the very end. That's a, a recurring shot throughout the movie, is you get a close-up on someone's face at oh, certain you kind times. kind of have, like, different... Yeah, they have, like, their, their feeling shots. Kind of like, they go through and they have... Yeah, their own emotions, their reactions, what they're I would thinking, suggest written to, on their face. I would suggest to you, Rachel, and to anybody that's only seen it once, is probably to go back and watch it again, and knowing the pattern and knowing the story and knowing the twist, pick up on when certain stuff is said, and then the face that's shown. That is kind of like how that. I figured stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. That is legit what happened when I was watching it. I was like, that was a different reaction than you would expect you know or like Mm -hmm. "Hmm, i'm surprised he looked a little bit more intense you know (laughs) yeah so we go to the present day now and they're pulling bodies out of the ship and there's an fbi a lot of bodies and they say there's like 15 or there's a bunch of bodies Mm -hmm. and an fbi agent shows up and they say there's two survivors one of them is some Hungarian guy, and the other one is some, I think they say, some cripple. Um, yeah. Which I There's think gonna is... There's going to be a lot of that. It's yeah. from the movie itself. We're not actually advocating the the way that they talk about people who are cripple. It's just their terminology. Handy-capable. Yeah. They say that he's... Which, is, which they're referring to verbal. And yes. so those are the only two survivors. And this FBI guy... Looks like he's from a different place in time, doesn't he? He's got like a he doesn't he have does. a he doesn't have a duster on. He's got like a suit jacket coat on, but his fedora oh and God. the coat combo. He looks yeah. like he's from like a Dick Tracy cartoon. They're doing a noir again. It's the yeah. noir Dick Tracy. Definitely, I agree. I just realized where I know him from. Do you know the FBI agent? Yeah, he's from Once Upon a Time. Really? Yeah. Interesting. He plays the mirror. I'm That's sorry. That's an interesting connection. <laughs> like, who would have thought that? I'm like, I know his face. Why do I know his face? Oh, yeah. But definitely a Dick Tracy look to him. Yeah, he's got a Dick Tracy look to him. And we cut to the San Pedro Police Department, where enters Dave Kuyan, who apparently came all the way from New York to California <laughs> because he hates Keaton. His goal in life is to, <laughs> to bring see down Keaton. Keaton rot, right? And apparently he figures he can do this by coming from New York, going all the way to California, and interrogating Verbal. And before he can go in there, this other guy, this other cop, played by Dan Hadea, who, who mm-hmm. you've seen in stuff. He's like a character actor. I feel like I've seen him in stuff. But he's playing this other cop, Rab Rabin. He's from Mulholland Drive, Clueless. He plays a detective on Gotham. Oh, he's Gotham. the dad in Clueless. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So he's around. But like I said, he is a... He plays he plays Monk's dad in Monk, apparently. He's a character actor. He's telling 
Kuyan that Kent got this deal. He got a deal. There's a bunch of politics around it. Mm-hmm. He basically has full immunity with the DA's office because he was able to tell a story to the DA. Right. And all he got was like some misdemeanor weapons charge or something like that because they found him with a gun. Sure. An unlicensed gun. But Kuyan still wants to talk to him. And the guy's telling him, like, well, he's paranoid about being recorded. He doesn't want to be recorded at all. So Kuyan's like, well, what if I just talk to him in here, like in your office, just like face to face, so that it's not in an interrogation room. He mm-hmm. doesn't have to worry about being recorded. Right. All this kind of junk. Oh, I even wrote, I like this guy's face. He looks like a character about the other cop. No, I do like his face as well, yes. <laughs> it's a lovable face. I like how we're talking about this guy's face. <laughs> <laughs> so... The FBI guy goes to the hospital, because we're cutting back and forth between these two scenes. And the FBI guy goes to, to question the Hungarian guy that survived this, who is fully burned. They ask him to put a mask on, which I appreciate, uh, <laughs> because mask victim, well, mask burned victims, victims. Burn victims can get infected very easily, so you have right. to wear a mask. Exactly. Severe burn say, victims, yes. I will say bad mask usage throughout this whole movie. The sketch artist isn't wearing her mask right. The other FBI guy not wearing his mask right. The, the DA guy is isn't smoking wearing his mask in right. the hospital, Kevin. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> FBI guy is smoking in the hospital. We had lax rules back then. Yes. Over the nose. Over Since the I nose. Think, I think for the rest of our lives, we're just going to be wearing masks. The Hungarian guy burned like Two-Face. He really is. Yes. And it's, a, it's gross. His face is gone. Right. Well, even on the other side, it's like, it's, it's very noticeable. Up. Well, like, yeah. he, it's very burned on the one side you can see. So knowing the other side's covered, what does that look like? Is it, like, is it is it two-faced-ish two-faced. where you can, like, see his, oh. Yeah, man. Oh. It's gnarly. That's what happens. <laughs> well, yeah, I would expect. But still, it's just like, oh, it, like if you can feel the pain. I think that this guy might actually have an advantage. So what we end up learning eventually oh no no it is in this scene the guy keeps saying kaiser soze over and over yes Um, and this is where i went kaiser soze (laughs) so (laughs) kaiser soze i know that name for some i'm like why do i know this i don't know if this is the direct reference that they're making in the simpsons or not but all i could think of is when in who shot mr burns when yes. Mr. Burns wakes up and he keeps saying Homer, Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson. Homer Simpson. Homer yeah. Simpson. <laughs> I don't know why, but it, that just it reminded me of that. So it maybe is. it's it that could reference. Be. The fact that this guy's face is gone. Right. Maybe that's going to be the thing that saves him. Because... Oh, it could be, yeah. Because what we learn about Kaiser Soze is that if you work for him or if you get a glimpse of him or if he finds out that you know who he is, you're dead. Right. But this guy's going to need some reconstructive surgery. And I'm guessing he probably can't get it because he's some Hungarian gang member. Yeah, black 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 market facial. Yeah, you can get something done. Yeah, maybe. So he'll probably look like a completely different person. Why can't there be black market facial reconstruction? There are black market boob jobs? Yes, there are. There's black market everything. Black market boob job, but boob jobs gotta be kind of affordable. I like, why would you go so. to? A... They're expensive. <laughs> well, no, I know that they're expensive, but like, why would you go to the black? I I don't know. But 
a black market <laughs> facial reconstruction. Yeah. I guess I could see this guy going down to Mexico getting a facial reconstruction. I could see him going anywhere. He's close yeah, enough. Yeah. He's in San Pedro, California. So he's There you go. Yeah. I bet they would even do it in San Pedro, California, but there's a little black market right there. Facial reconstruction. <laughs> and and cuz he fears Kaiser Soze. That's going to be how Kaiser Maybe Soze gets. Maybe he works him. for Kaiser Soze. That's what I'm saying. Like, the guy that's going to do the facial reconstruction just leaves the gas on a little too long. Right. Nice and easy. And then Kaiser Sose comes in? I don't think he even comes in, because half oh, the no, time... I think he would, because he would want him to know that he's the one who killed oh, him. Oh, so, like, yeah, as he's, like, that's true. passing out and he can't move, there he is smoking, because I just... That's what I expect in this entire movie, is that everybody just blows yes, smoke everybody in the smokes. face. Everyone smokes in this movie. <laughs> I'm fairly confident that everyone smokes. <laughs> what we also get is that this gigantic cell phone for 1995, but apparently the FBI guy is calling in a bunch of people to come into this room because something to do with Kaiser Soze. So Verbal Kint is in the other cop. I know I keep referring to him as the other cop, but whatever his name is. The other Jeffrey. cop's office. I'm just going to call him Jeffrey because that is his name. Yes, it is. <laughs> and he's looking at the wall of stuff in the guy's office. Behind the guy's desk is a giant cork board right. filled flyers, with papers. flyers, papers, wanted posters, all this stuff. Reports, yeah. Pictures. And Verbal's taking it in. And before, I missed it, I missed it right away at the beginning. And obviously we know what it is because we, they keep going back to it. But I wrote down at this point, is he wired? Because like... I thought that they maybe weren't going to wire it because of the fact that he was afraid of being wired. But then it, of course, turns out that, of course, he's wired. They cut to the wire a ton of times. Sure. So he is being wired. Okay. What we find out from this, from Kuyan, because Kuyan and Kint have like a little bit of back and forth. Kint wants a coffee, so he makes the other cop, Jeffrey, go get him a coffee. And Keaton tells the story that or, I'm sorry, Kuyan. There's a lot of K names in this there's fucking movie. There's a lot. We're going to get to another one soon, too. Yeah, there's like five K names. Yeah. I almost said Kobayashi because you said we're going to get to the other one. <laughs> sorry. Kuyan tells Verbal Kint that Keaton... God damn it, there are too many Ks. That's got to be a theme, right? There's got to be something with the K names. That Keaton... That could be used to be a cop. He was a corrupt cop 15 years prior. He was a corrupt cop. They finally got him. He went to jail. He killed people in jail. All this stuff. So clearly Kuyan has it out for Keaton. And there's some phrases that give you some hints at what the twist might be or what might happen. And one of them is that Kuyan says that, how do you know if a man's guilty? We bring like three guys in. Mm -hmm. If the one of them sleeps, yes. then he knows that that guy's guilty. If you're sleeping, you know you're guilty, so you're getting... I'm going to butcher it now. If you're sleeping... You're resting up because they, you know that something's going to happen. Oh, okay, okay. So you yeah, have to yeah. be ready for it. So you have to be well-rested. So if you're sleeping, you're guilty because you have to be well-rested knowing you're going into something. Got it, okay. And so he already has pre-convictions of... How to tell if someone did something or who's the guilty party before he knows the full story. And he tells Kint that he's smarter than him. 
he's going to get what he wants from him. And I would say that he's a little too cocky here, Rachel, that he's got some hubris uh, in thinking that he's going to be able to figure all this out. Do you think it's just the, do you think that's his own personality? Do you think he's putting that on as a show just to kind of intimidate? I think it's definitely like a, or I think it's definitely like a police tactic to be like, I know the truth and I'm going to get it out of you. Like that, that's certainly part of it. I feel like it is his personality though as well he really does think he knows the truth already he yes. feel, he's coming in because he came in hot saying i need to talk to this guy and he, i feel like that's he's got the blinders on he's a hundred percent his hatred his hatred is blinding him yes like harry potter for draco yes i think it's a half-blood Except prince he reference was, he was kind of right though, though. yeah he, he was right he though was right though yeah, that's true. Okay, so... that's a bad example. But. <laughs> so we go back to the story. So Verbal starts to tell Keaton. Verbal starts to tell Kuyan this story of how the five of them became kind of a crew. Right. So Keaton is released. His girlfriend wants to charge the cops with hitting him. But Keaton says no. He just wants to let it go. And... They're standing outside, like, the court steps, and he is realizing it. It's, it's starting to sink into him that no matter what he does, the investors are going to think he's crooked because it's going to get out, and the cops are never going to let it go, and they're going right. to tell the investors that this guy's crooked. Right. So he's never going to be able to be to gain money for whatever investment he's, he's doing, right? And yeah, that, that art investment that he's got going in France. Makes sense. That's right. That art investment in France. He's opening up an art gallery or importing, exporting art or whatever he's doing. Importing, exporting. Exactly. So as he's realizing this, we get some shots of all of the different criminals. They're all still kind of around and they're all just looking at Keaton. Because in my mind, like I said, Keaton is our stories, the stories protagonist to me. Yeah. He is the one that gets the ball rolling. He's the one with the most character change or not necessarily character change, but just he's the one that has to come up with character development. Yeah. He has to make the decisions that drive the plot. Sure. And he has to, like we said, kind of go on this. He's trying to go on a redemption arc and he keeps failing to go on a redemption arc. Yeah, It's kind of like he goes, he takes two steps or it's one step forward, two steps back. He's taking one step forward and then two steps back. He keeps trying and then he keeps going back. And I assume that they're all looking at him because they think that he's, he's either like really good or there's some reason that they think he should be part of this crew as well. Right. And Edie keeps trying to say like, she loves him and he's not paying attention to her at all. Yeah. He's, his mind is definitely somewhere else. He's definitely not listening to anything she's saying. (laughs) I thought it was a pretty good noir type scene. The smoke even looks it like felt tense. You could feel the tense. Like you yeah. could tell his mind was somewhere. His, his he's desperate. Scrambled in somewhere else, and right. He's totally desperate. So, what we learn and Verbal is telling the story is that McManus had a job, and Verbal thought that they could do it without killing if they had five men, but they needed five men to do the job. And Kent goes to Keaton to tell him that they're going to take out New York's finest taxi service. Do you remember what New York's finest taxi service is, Rachel? Like what the scheme is? Okay. 
So I have no idea. So New York's finest taxi service. Uh, I wrote it down. It's this thing where the cops are when a drug dealer or a, a drug smuggler or like an emerald smuggler, like a smuggler comes into New York, the cops will pick them up from the airport and they will take them somewhere safely. Oh, okay. so that they have, they basically have like a police escort and the poli- and it's like crooked cops doing this on the side. Sure. 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 That makes sense. Okay. I understand. Now I, I can put the connection together now. Okay. Now do you under <laughs> like, well, I just figured like you had no idea why they were like doing this, doing what that their first correct. little like heist is. Like yep, you were just like, what the I, hell is going on? That is exactly what happened. I think that's when I texted you and said, this is weird. I don't know what I'm watching. Yeah. So <laughs> their idea is to take out New York's finest taxi service. And Verbal tells them that they won't let him do it without Keaton. And Verbal thinks that he can, he has a plan that they can do it without anyone getting killed. Right. So, and that interest, that is the only way Keaton will do it. He will only do it if there's no killing. He realizes, Verbal tries to get him a little bit. He says, like, I mean, you got this little scam going with the lawyer, but, like, this clearly is not your place. And, like, he punches him in the gut. And, like, eventually, Keaton agrees to do this if there's no killing. So we get this stereotypical, he looks like Big Daddy from the Simpsons Showcase episode. Like, that's how he's dressed. This, like, Don mobster drug smuggler guy. (laughs) Okay. He's got this big white coat on and, like, another, like, white fedora hat. (laughs) And he gets picked up because Keaton thought that there was that this was done because people started asking questions so that the cops didn't do this anymore. Okay. But uh, apparently this is like one of the, they'll, they do it on occasion if they do it rare enough, because if they, if they think it's worth it, if they think there's like a good enough payday worth it, then they, they do it again. Sure. No, that makes sense. So they all have their little part in it. They get the vans and they get the guns and they get all this stuff. So they do the old, the old fashioned surround them with these vans and they ambush the cop car that that's, taking the guy to wherever. Yeah, exactly. And McManus goes a little bit nuts because he's nuts. And he starts like he smashing. Extreme. Just a little. <laughs> well, I mean, it's McManus. Like he's going to do that, right? Sure. I feel like this scene where they do the surround the car has been done in a fashion that they're parodying this too. And I can't think of what movie I'm thinking of, but I, I feel like it's been done. In stuff before this or after, after. this? Yeah. Parodying in this. I, I don't know if I've ever seen it as a parody. I know the same technique or is, is it done. Just the same technique and I'm it's just not something I've that seen I remember in I remember in training day this happens. I can't think of like anything else off the top of my head, but like Okay. I know it does happen. I know I've seen it before too. Okay. Never mind. No, I mean, I think it's legit. Like, I think there is stuff that, that it has been done. I just don't know if it's ever been parodied. I'm, oh, maybe it has. We have to think about it, though. So McManus is smashing the windshield, and then mm-hmm. he steals the emeralds, and then he's, like, asking for the, give me the fucking money! Kind of a, <laughs> kind of a thing. Right. Fenster, who, like, I don't know, if you have this accent and you're like, give me the fucking money, it's, like, the most obvious thing who this guy probably oh, is. Oh, yeah, it's like you would know who he is if, you, if you've ever had to deal with him before. And I do like the part where the cops like shouting, don't you know who I am? And Hockney grabs his badge and he goes, we do now jerk off. <laughs> like, 
that cop is being stupid, right? Because, oh, like, yeah. now they have his badge. And what we learn is that they knew how to do everything, but Keaton did the over-the-top gotcha to the cops because he called the press mm-hmm. and he put an anonymous tip in. Yeah, and exactly. it, and it, it started this thing that got 50 cops, you know, basically in trouble from the DA on down or from the exactly, mayor on down, exactly. whatever they say, because of this thing. And that was kind of Keaton's, like, fuck you to the, to the police. Is that the only reason they got together to do this? Yes. Was just to take it was, down the police. It was just, no, it, well, it was just to do this job. So they were all going to split whatever money came out of okay. it. Okay. But Keaton, I think, thought, you know, a little bit of bonus from him was it's against the police. It's against the corrupt police. So he's willing to do it. Okay. And they weren't going to kill him. It's kind of a a vigilante justice at that point kind of a thing. Yeah, I guess that's how he's... the chaotic uh, neutral. I mean, it's... uh... Yeah, it's how he's justifying doing it. Or lawful good or whatever you want to call it. (laughs) It, it. It literally is that spectrum of like, I will do this because it's getting rid of well, and it's it's him getting a little bit of revenge because clearly sure. the cops hate him and he hates the cops. So it's a little bit of revenge too. Sure. So the guys celebrate their winnings. They got some emeralds and they celebrate at the garage. McManus says he has to go to California to exchange the emeralds for some cash. Mm-hmm. But Hockney, who's also a hothead, says he wants to go. And then they're all like, well, we'll all go. And like the job's done. And Keaton's like, well, California, LA would be like a good place to hide out and all this kind of stuff. Sure. But because Hockney and McManus hate each other so much, they're like up in each other's face. It looks like they're going to make out. (laughs) Verbally, they kind of says it like ladies because they're just like standing there like. (sighs) Yeah, like breathing into each other's faces. Yeah. Yeah. So this is where I'll, I'll say this about this crew. And, and where I'll say this about their personalities. This is where I think that Pockney and McManus have such similar personalities. And in real life, apparently Kevin Pollack and McMahon, and uh, Stephen Baldwin didn't get along. Stephen Baldwin apparently tried to be a method actor on set a lot and would kind of oh, bully Kevin man. Pollack. And Kevin okay. Pollack was like, you're just an asshole. Just like knock it off type of thing. Yeah. yeah. So they, you know, there's some tension between them and they do hate each other in the movie. Like that's kind of part of the crew. Right. But I think that you could do this with a little bit more personality change if you wrote them slightly differently. I think that McManus as the hothead makes sense, mm-hmm. but Kevin Pollock's character is also a hothead. I think he should be more of a aloof calculator. Yeah, like a calculated. He can be. He can get hot, but he should be more like deliberate. I think. I think. I think it. It shouldn't be like the. I feel like he should be the hothead. I feel like he should e- yeah. could easily be the hothead. Yeah. And the other one should be a little bit more aloof and laughy. Like yeah. He, he gets angry. Crazy. He laughs. He's crazy. He laughs about it. Yeah. 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 Like, I feel like it, if he just did it a little bit more aloof, a little bit like he gets in his face like <laughs> type of thing, like, you right. know, that I feel like would have at least given him a separate personality. Right. You have one hothead and one. Who's they're both crazy. Hot, like hot yeah, head. but one one takes it too seriously and one is more jokery type of thing. Yes. Yeah. And I think that if you name your group the Looney Tunes, think about it. You can repl- if you replaced all of these characters with the Looney Tunes. Yes. So you've Elmer Fudd's it. verbal kin. Uh. Bugs is Keaton. 
I think we've yeah. got. Uh, I was gonna say Yosemite Sam is Keaton, but maybe Daffy Duck or or, or, no, wait, or Yosemite <laughs> Sam was uh, McManus, but maybe Daffy Duck is McManus. I think that could also work. And then you've got Porky Pig. Could be uh, Taz. Could be Taz Fenster. To me, should be Taz is Fenster. Okay, yeah, Taz that's Tasmanian fine. Tasmanian Devil is Fenster. <laughs> But folks at home, you know you know what we're saying here when we're coming up with this lineup of the usual suspects. One, the you trope. can see that first of all, you can see that poster right now. And God help me, lifers, please, if this doesn't exist, I want this to be the new I unironic. I want this to be the new in the dorm poster. The usual suspects, but it's all Looney Tunes characters in silhouette. Not like just that. I want. That's what I want. I want that sent to me. I want it. I want that as a poster. Yeah, but that's not not exact. But it's that's not, not good exactly enough. what I want. No, I want no. I want it in the. They are. They try. They try. Like they've got. Like that's they the fail. idea. But like I want like the silhouette of them. I want them like in the same style of the Usual Suspects. I think that would be a perfect poster. I might do it. But you get my you get my point, right? Like you could do yeah. this with anything, but the Looney Tunes it, you know, it works. You know, Porky Pig, I think would be. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm waiting for you to be like. I mean, we could do this all night, and I kind of want to. <laughs> no, no, no. I think Porky Pig is verbal. Not Elmer Fudd. No. I feel like Elmer no, Fudd no, no, is I the think, perfect no, no, no. verbal. I think, I think Porky Pig is the perfect verbal. I mean, Warner Brothers, can you just do a shot-for-shot shot remake of The Usual Suspects with your Looney Tunes characters? Oh, if it was the old Looney Tunes, they would, but the new ones suck. It's not as funny anymore. <laughs> well, they have to be a little more politically correct now. Yeah, they're not allowed to have, like, guns or anything either. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I want a full-on... Shot for shot remake. I want to hit. <laughs> Had be the keys, you fucking cocksucker. Like, that's what I want. Hand me the keys, you fucking cocksucker. Alright, we've, we've got to get back to, to the fucking movie. But my point is when you hear those names in those roles, you yeah. can see how like there's you a different personality the per- you type. You know the personality the second you hear the name. And I don't, I you don't get that as much because with Hackney and McManus because they're no, they're and similar. I, like, I, like I said, I'm getting them confused just talking about them. Like, which <laughs> one was Hackney again? Which one was? Uh, but they decided. Which one was it? It's the one Hackney is the short one. Okay. Yeah. So Beard they just bearded short. They decide that they're going to go out to L.A. But Keaton wants to tell Edie that he's going out to L.A. And I don't know if he's going to tell her the whole story. Like, I feel like he's going to be like, this is Verbal Kent. He's a new investor and we're going to go to California to do investing. Right. I feel like that's what he's going to do. But he does leave without telling her anything, right? Like, he can't get up. He can't get it in his heart to tell her. Well, he wants to tell her, but they're running late. Yeah. Is a part of it. And he still hasn't told her. He's really putting. They this live off together, until, like, the yeah. Like last second. Maybe they go like right from the garage to the airport. I don't That's know. Possible. Yeah, I don't think he doesn't tell her anything. And we get a little break from the story, where Kuyan is pushing Verbal to tell him more about Keaton. 
He thinks Keaton was using Edie. Verbal says none of it was his idea. He didn't come up with any of the go after the taxi service. He mm-hmm. didn't come up with go to California. He didn't come up with any of it. Keaton was just there because all the guys kind of respect him. Kuyan is like, no, Keaton kept getting off. People kept getting killed that were going to testify for against him. And people mm-hmm. kept getting killed. He ended, up at, he ended up finally going to jail. He ended up going to Sing Sing. And he killed three guys in prison. Right. And then a couple of years before this, he was supposed to die in like a fire. Or he was, they thought he died in a fire. But the fire just killed a witness. Or, or he, it was like a witness was at the place. And then the two witnesses that were going to testify against him for something else apparently both died under mysterious circumstances so he is painting keaton as like this bad dude just like a a really bad guy you can understand why then like kuyan like thinks that he did something so what we end up doing is we go back to the hospital they find something to interpret hungarian for them and he all they really want to know is what is he talking about with Kaiser Sosa. Yeah, because the guy's like, no, we weren't buying dope. We were buying people. And they're like, what does that mean? And they kind of like ignore that. And well, that's like trafficking, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but that's not even what he means. And no, 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 it isn't. When we get to the twist, it's the, he was, they weren't buying people either. Okay. I'm... They were, they were buying one guy. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. They were exchanging money just to take someone Back to Hungary. Right. Um, yeah, they were, bu- they were buying people, right. But the guy doesn't know, you know, he's interpreting Hungarian from a guy that's face is gone. So it's not coming through completely correct. He's probably not saying everything either. And they're astonished that he saw Kaiser Soze. He saw the devil. Who's the devil? And the devil is Kaiser Soze. So we get all of this. They're trying to figure out who Kaiser Soze is. Kuyan basically get, reveals here that they got an anonymous tip that Keaton was having a dinner and that's how they picked him up to be in the lineup. So, like, this is how you know, oh, this was a setup, but we just don't know why yet because somebody was able to tell Kuyan that, like, hey, Keaton's alive, he's at this dinner. Right. Because apparently Keaton has been on the very down low to exactly. not be... They, to the point where they thought he was dead or he was... Right. You know, he just completely disappeared. He retired. Yeah, he retired. Yeah, he retired from being a criminal, <laughs> as you do. Yeah, at some point, right? And we get a shot. I don't know if you saw this, Rachel, but we get a shot. I saw it because I, you know, watched it again. Exactly. When Kuyan thinks he keeps trying to say like Keaton's not dead, even though we saw him die at the beginning of the movie, Keaton's not dead. He's out there still. Where is he? And we get a side shot of Verbal's face. And did you notice that Verbal? suppresses a smile a bit in my opinion i think he suppresses a smile a little bit here (laughs) that little twitch of the yeah there's like a little twitch of the mouth so what we're in some way shape or form we i mean we're the spoilers are coming folks so we when we learn already a couple times i know but when we learn that this story isn't fully legit this is i think another part where Verbal realizes he's got him, right? Because he knows that Kuyan wants this to be true so much that he's got him. Hook, line, and sinker. 
He's letting him shape the story. Yeah, he's letting Kuyan decide where to take the story almost. Yes, and he's just filling in the blanks. So he threatens to let everybody know the name of Verbal Kent. Like, everyone on the street's going to know the name Verbal Kent, and you're going to be, you might get out of here, but I'm going to tell everybody that Verbal Kent is like a rat or whatever. Sure. So Verbal says that, well, there was this lawyer named Kobayashi. So we go back to the story, and in the story we're in L.A., and we meet Redfoot. Redfoot is this guy that they're exchanging the goods for money. He's just this other, like, smuggler, like, drug dealer type of guy. just another bad guy. (laughs) He looks like he's... He... He looks kind of like Buffalo Bill, almost. He has this, oh, like... yeah. You he know what I mean? Have that look he has him. that look to him. But he's got Maybe these... Maybe it's just the hair. Yeah, it's the hair. It's because it's, like, this, like, stringy blonde hair. You mix um, uh, Buffalo Bill with the Scarecrow, and I think I think we figured it out. Yeah. Right yeah. Scarecrow from Batman, if that... Yeah, <laughs> no, I got it, yeah. <laughs> The face of Scarecrow. At first I thought Wizard of Oz, and I was like, I guess he looks kind of like he's made out of straw. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So our... He doesn't have a brain, so it's fine. Oh, damn. Out of nowhere. (laughs) Sorry, you said Scarecrow. Just taking out Redfoot for no reason. Uh. So they meet Redfoot, our gang meets Redfoot, and he says that they have some extra work for him... Or for the group, but Keaton just says like we're on vacate, we're on we're on vacation, like he doesn't want anything to do with another job. He's like we're, we already did one job, that was the job, that was it. Right. But McManus is like, well, you know what, you know, what's the job? So he tells them that they, if they rob a jeweler for him, they can keep the money and he'll keep the jewels. And for some reason, Keaton tells Redfoot about a guy that Redfoot knew that he killed in prison. Right. I thought that was going to lead to something. It doesn't really lead to anywhere. I think that must be like one of those red herrings. That's what I thought too. Cause I was, I thought that was interesting and I thought it was going to come back or if it was going to mean something to Redfoot, but it didn't put him off. It didn't, or is it you supposed know, to like, see, like see how tough I am. Cause I shivved your guy. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, in a way it could have been like, don't like, Hey, I'm telling you this. Don't so don't screw me. us. Right. Don't screw us come, over. If I'll you hear it. You. I, I thought it was more like, hey, if you hear about this, I'm going to tell you straight up so that if we do this job, don't fuck us over because sure. you hear that, you know, I killed your boy or whatever. Oh, right. Um, let me let me tell you this straight up. I'm going to tell you right off the bat just so you know. Okay. Yeah. But I, I also didn't know if it was like a red herring, if we're supposed to think like, oh, that's why Redfoot does what he does to them later on. Oh, it's, is it because he found out about Keaton killing his friend or whatever? Sure. So, I don't know. But, I, but nothing really ever comes up with that. So Keaton doesn't want to do it because he's like, we, the deal was one job. He doesn't want to do another job. Uh, and I wrote here that his shirt never fits because he is wearing the most billowy, <laughs> huge ass. He was wearing like a big sweatshirt earlier too. <laughs> yeah. He's always wearing something that doesn't fit. What part of the personality is that? His suits never fit. He's wearing this dress shirt that doesn't fit. Yeah, he's wearing, like, he wore a big sweater. He's wearing these big jackets. Everything's very, very large on him. He looks kind of small. It makes him look smaller. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's supposed to be, like, to make you feel like he's more innocent because he's, like, drowning in his clothes. I don't, or he's poor. Maybe it's supposed to be, like, look, his clothes don't even fit. Of course he has to rob all these fucking jewelers. (laughs) But they end up basically convincing Keaton to do it. 
So the next crime that they commit, the next heist, is in this parking garage. Mm -hmm. And McManus is wearing a Confederate hat, which is bizarre. But (laughs) um, it's like a bizarre choice. They the job doesn't go as hat is that what's wearing? Yeah, that's the that's the symbol on his hat. It's very strange. It's weird. He does a really good job of secu- shooting the security though, because this job goes really haywire. And yes, this is this is where things went wrong. Yeah, it it, it really goes wrong. So they just do a really piss poor job of pulling this off. McManus does look good in this scene because he has the two guns and he kind of like eyes up the security guards because like they're right. tussling with Hockney and Fester, yes. Fenster and he shoots them both at the same time. Right. In the and same then, spot, like right in that like shoulder, yeah. chest area, the collarbone area. And then Keaton is supposed to be the one getting the jewels from the jewel thief guy, Saulberg, right. but he won't give up the goods. He's just staring at Keaton. It's like, you know, I'm not going to do shit. Like, you you come and take it. But Keaton will not kill him. And the guy, like, basically tests it, like, that Keaton's not going to kill him. So what happens, Rachel, because Keaton won't kill him? Well, this is where Verbal steps in. (laughs) And shoots him in the head. Right in the head! And this is where I went, hmm, interesting. The guy doesn't want to kill anybody. It is between the eyes. Yep. This is where I went, huh. Guy who doesn't want to kill anybody, <laughs> yeah, shoot somebody straight in the eye, like between the eyes. Interesting. interesting. And that, the look on his face and everything, it wasn't like a, I didn't want to have to do this. Yeah, no, no, no. It did not look like regretful. It, like, it almost looked like. Keaton, fine. Yeah, yeah. Let me get this done. Let me get this job done. So they get the briefcase and they take the briefcase out, and it turns out that there's nothing in the briefcase. I think maybe it's drugs. It it's like ba- it's like little baggies, yeah. Yeah, and like I guess they could have sold those, but the it's not gonna make up as much as they could have gotten. Uh, Nor do they want to deal drugs. They're no. not drug dealers. They're no. thieves. They either want money or it's like just flour. It's not even cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> so so... I mean, if, if you really want to get in the flour game, the oh the yeah, flour no, the flour game is huge. That's... They could make a lot of money off. You want to go in the trades? You get some flour. Bags going at a dollar a pound. I don't know what flour <laughs> costs. Doesn't seem like enough. <laughs> Folks at home, let us know how much. Uh... <laughs> how much is your flour in your area? What kind of flour <laughs> do you like to get? <laughs> how much Are can you, you get for flour, uh, flour on the dollar? <laughs> Asking for a friend. Rachel's Rachel's gonna put all her money in flour. <laughs> I'm gonna start baking a lot more. I need to know about flour. <laughs> I hear flour is where the money's at. Can start importing are, exporting. Are, why are we going on so many tangents? I don't this? know. McManus is pissed of, about this, of course, because he knows Redfoot and Redfoot fucked them over. So he's gonna kill Redfoot. So like they they go back to that same spot, which is like an interesting location. It looks like a, I don't know. But they go back up they're to meet. Building. They're not in a building anymore. I don't know no, but what you're talking about. Oh, they're in front I of like see. a piazza. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I don't know if that's supposed to hint that like, are they in like a weird spot or Where whatever. Where are but... they? Where are they supposed to be? I'm sure that's a landmark in LA. Oh, it could be. It's not like I know Kaiser Sose from Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> so sad to say. Okay, anyway, Keaton is trying to be like, don't kill him. Like, let me try something else. Just let me try something else. 
mm-hmm. first before you like go in guns a blazing. Right. And Redfoot says that he didn't realize that there wasn't going to be emeralds either. He got the job from a lawyer named right. a limey, a limey named <laughs> Kobayashi. So, which is a British man, right? Well, and that's where I don't know. Like, is verbal, is verbal, is verbal trying to <laughs> lie here? And basically, like, he doesn't want to give away what who Kobayashi actually is. So he's saying that Kobayashi is British, or he's giving him a fake name. Maybe clearly something doesn't totally add up. Yeah, something doesn't. Opinion. Yeah, no, I understand what you're meaning because then the name isn't isn't something that you would think of as being British or English or any of that, like, a UK type of name at all. And limey, it is derogatory, but it also is supposed to be for a British person that has been around since the mid-19th century. So if it is supposed to be Yeah, but I don't know if Red... Do you think Redfoot is using it that appropriately? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just a terminology. I'm just trying to say... Even if I was saying before, like, if it could have been somebody who moved there or traveled there as an immigrant, whatever you want to say, they'd have to be there from the 19th century, technically. And I, I, again, when we get to see the guy, he looks British. He sounds British. (laughs) So it's, the name doesn't really add up. (laughs) Agreed. But Redfoot says that this guy's been trying to meet them as well. But it could just be a code name, too. Codenamed Kobayashi. <laughs> Coming this fall! Codename Kobayashi. Redfoot says that the lawyer wants to meet them, too. Sure. And so they say that they agree that they'll meet him. And Redfoot flicks a cigarette at McManus. Yeah. Apparently it was supposed to um, flick him in the chest, but the guy misaimed and inflicted to Stephen Baldwin's face. So that like, what the fuck? Is a real reaction. Sure. Kuyan doesn't know why to leave this out of his speech that he gave to the DA, but the FBI pulls him out of the room before they can go into anything further, and Kuyan learns about Kaiser Soze. So he comes charging back into the room, and he goes, Who's Kaiser Soze? And Kint goes, Ah, fuck. (laughs) So here's my question, Rachel. Is that ah, fuck part of the ploy, or is that a legitimate, like, shit, now now I've got to work around this new information because he does he goes like ah fuck so like just did did he think that they would find out about kaiser soze being related to this story or do you think that him doing the ah fuck is part of his game he's playing with kuyan this is where in my opinion it goes from being a heist movie and a heist story to being a mystery story because this is where kuyan shifts his focus a bit to try to figure out, and the mystery becomes, who is Kaiser Soze? And he does that by, like, walking into the office and saying, like, who's Kaiser Soze? And, yeah, but who said, who, I don't, I think you're saying different names, because I don't understand who you're talking about. Who says, oh, fuck, who says, who's Verbal Kaiser says Soze? It. So, so the FBI tells him, the FBI guy brings Kuyan out from the office, out of the interrogation, and they're like, hey, we've got a bead on this Kaiser Soze, and we need you to ask him about Kaiser Soze. Okay. So when Kuyan goes back into the office, yeah, he goes, "Who's?" Because because 
he thinks this this is just going to be a story about Kobayashi at best, right? Okay, okay. But Kuyan goes, who's Kaiser Soze? And Verbal goes, ah, fuck. Like, now he's got another story to tell. But I, but is oh. it is it part of the game that that's his reaction? Or is it a legitimate, okay, now I've got to shift my Shift gears story. a little bit. Yeah. Bring Kaiser Sose into it. I think it was legitimate. I think that was a legitimate, oh, fuck. And it's only there for a split second. I think if it wasn't legitimate, mm-hmm. they would have hovered a second longer. Mm-hmm. Because it was so real, I think it was just like, okay, move on. Move on. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's not obvious. I think that's what it was. I bet it was like a, wait, they figured that part. They know it's connected now. I have to weave that in. That, okay, it is connected. Sure, I'll let it be connected. But I wasn't expecting to have to do this. Yeah. Okay. I, think- I mean, I think I... Go ahead. Yeah, I would just want I just wanted to get your opinion on it because I, I do think that's I had that same thought that it just it kind of makes more sense to be like a shit now like cuz as as cool and collected as the villains in this movie can be right. like I still think it was kind of like a caught him for a second. Thought. Yeah. Pulled the rug out of from under him for a second there. He tripped. <laughs> so we end up going back into the story and we go to this place to meet Kobayashi. And they're all talking about how they've been there forever and they're waiting and waiting and they're like going to leave. And then there's this man in silhouette who reveals himself and it is Pete Postlewaite playing Kobayashi. Yes. And he talks very, very interestingly and he looks very interesting. <laughs> it's like this very interesting character. He's very British, um, man. Yes. And he's happy. <laughs> and, he, and he says that his employer is happy that they were able to get rid of Mr. Berg. Which was a very surprisingly pleasant, like, thing that happened or whatever. Yes. And he reveals to them a job where $91 million will be there to divide for them. But it's a super risky job, and they could all be dead from it. But if they succeed, there's $91 million that they can divide amongst themselves. Right. Because his employer wants to basically hire them. And they're like, well, who the fuck's your employer? And he says, my employer is Kaiser Jose. And the mood changes in the room. And they even pointed out in the movie because Verbal's like, who's Kaiser Soze? All of them are like kind of just not saying anything. Right. And they're kind of just like, well, how the, why should we fucking believe you that you're Kaiser Soze? Mm-hmm. And what we learn is that they all did something tertiary or, you know, three or four steps away from Soze, but they all kind of stole from him. Sure. In they some did, way, shape, or form. They did something to backstab Soze. And I thought, like, oh, he's basically the kingpin. You know what I mean? Like, he's this kingpin. Yeah, he kind of is. The underground kingpin. And what we learn here is that Soze basically set up the lineup. We learn that Hockney is the one that robbed the truck because they're like, oh, yeah, there was a Mr. Hockney. You robbed a truck that was, you know, of guns that was intended for such and such Pakistan or whatever. Right. And they all kind of look at him and he like shrugs like, well, I'm not, I wasn't going to admit that I did it. <laughs> like, um, which is interesting because Keaton's basically like, well, you set up the lineup then. And they're like, yeah, the lineup was set up. They were going to contact them all when they were in prison, but Keaton was able to bail himself out of jail. And then there wasn't a reason to get the other ones because they need, they wanted all of them to do this job. Right. And the whole point of this is like, look, you all stole from Kaiser Soze. If you do this job, then the debt's repaid. 
you can walk away with right. the 91 million dollars which from what we learned about kaiser soze do you think that he would have let them walk away or do you think he really is like hey i'm giving you this chance to go live on an island somewhere and you can you're done See, it's it's tough because I know what happens and knowing what happens and everything, I think it was all planned very... He was setting up to that. Yes. I think, I don't think there was any $95 million. I don't think there was any island. I don't think there was any retribution. I think it was all, I'm taking you guys out and I'm taking out other things that I need to get rid of as well. Yeah. But I'm going to use you to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it goes along with the Soze theme yeah like his mo so really even if they they basically he 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 basically tells him like well even if you don't believe in kaiser soze if you, even if you don't think that he exists then we can still get you on the robbery you killed saul bird like we can get you on the murder right and soze wants them to stop a deal with argentine there's a deal going on with argentinians and if they destroy the drugs on the boat they can keep the money keaton's like uh well why don't you give me a good reason for me not to kill you right now <laughs> and he leaves them with a briefcase full of basically Facebook facts. It's like background checks. Yeah, it's just the background checks. I don't know why we call them <sighs> Facebook facts. Because, well, like, it's pictures of Edie and uh, Keaton, like, eating at a, eating it's, at, it's, like, some diner. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's private investigator stuff. Yeah, definitely. So Kobayashi leaves them to decide. This is where I put, I can, like, if you do not have the captions on, you could not understand El Toro in this scene at all. Because uh. he's like, hey, what's that guy that knows, that knows Soze? And they think it's a setup. Kobayashi is using the name of Kaiser Soze to scare them. Mm-hmm. And this is where they tell Kint the legend of Kaiser Soze. And this is where we get the devil line. This is where we get the, the famous line, the tagline for the film. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world he doesn't exist. Which oh, is from that's some why French you did poem. that. Yeah, that's why I said it earlier. I, I said like, the oh, French like, poem oh. version earlier. I thought I thought it was like I'm like oh this is like fa- I like oh this is actually oh, going very fancy. well with the movie. I like I like how we connected these two things. And then I'm like oh wait, is this? Nope, nope. I'm just a, I'm just a hack fraud. Um, <laughs> but the but then we basically get Kuyan like asking like verbal is basically like telling him like yeah like there's all these stories about him and he's like in the shadows. So the story that verbal believes about Kaiser Soze is that these Hungarians believe that to have the power you have to be willing to do what the other guy won't. That's the way that these gangs one up each other. Mm-hmm. And was small time. He was just a crook. And he was just a drug dealer. And these Hungarians wanted to take his business. But they knew that he was like a tough guy. So they go to his house when he's not home. Wait, they rape you his said wife. a different name. Did Herbal. you want to say that? <laughs> ah, fuck it. So... Just... You're keeping that in. Are you sure? I don't. You can bleep bleep it if you want to. They go to Kaiser's home, and they basically rape his wife. They torture the kids, or they like threaten the kids. And when mm-hmm. Kaiser Soze gets home, he uh, apparently portrayed with black flowing hair. Yeah, that was interesting. I was like, <laughs> "Is that?" I'm like, I literally went, "Is that supposed to be Kaiser Soze?" I'm like, "Well, is, is that a woman?" Out, well. 
in in is like, like a, a Native American man. I'm like, I yeah, that's tell. what he looks like. Yeah, he looks like a Native American kind I, of. I thought it was kind of like a Native American man. I guess this is how his, verbal his pictures wife looks like. Sose. Has like a darker skin. Too. Yeah, or like Hispanic, like something. Yeah, yeah like, or Latin Hispanic. American. Yeah. But verbal says that he's Turkish, which so makes the, the room. Hair... Are we are we talking about? Uh... <laughs> I don't know where he. I don't know where he's from, but it's possible. I guess maybe this. Oh my God, is Tommy Wiseau Kaiser Sose? He's Kaiser Sose. It. it Tommy Wiseau, Kaiser Sose. (gasps) That's the conspiracy right now. That that Kaiser Sose is Tommy Wiseau. I I think that, yeah. I believe that. I I, I actually, we might not be able to publish this um, podcast. If we found this out, we might be on his list. Because (laughs) we could be on the Kaiser Sose list. Tommy, we love your movie. We're going to do it as a main event one day. Absolutely. Leave us alone. The greatest Actually, don't. Can we have an interview with you? <laughs> no, I am not doing an interview with Tommy Wiseau. Grace Chick, Dalva Paul was convinced the world he didn't exist, huh? Oh, oh hi, hi, Kaiser. <laughs> I am afraid of God. I'm afraid of Kaiser Soze, huh? You're tearing me apart. <laughs> Oh, hi, doggy. Okay, move on. <laughs> so he comes home. They kill one of his kids to, I guess, show him who's boss. Yeah. And then because they killed the kid, Kaiser Soze is like, nope, fuck this. And he murders not only two of the drug, the Hungarians, he murders his entire, the rest of his family. Yes. Yeah. And, and then he leaves the one guy alive and he's like, you go tell the others. That Kaiser Soze doesn't fuck around. You basically killed Kaiser Soze today because he didn't want to have to, the family to live with the fact that he was a murderer and that he was going to have to do what he felt he was going to have to do. Right. He'd rather which is, kill his family than... I'm sorry. Which has basically become the boogeyman. He goes on a tear. He murders all the Hungarian and their mob. Family. And their families. And their dogs. And like and anybody that knew them. He becomes a he becomes a, a myth, and he's never seen again. And it's a good story. It is a um, good story, yeah. But it's like how much do how much of that is really true? And and, and I still don't know. I don't know if like I kind of want to believe that story. I kind of want to believe that that's his origin story. But who knows? You know? Yeah. I mean, I don't. I doubt he had the long flowing hair. No, but away, I, but that's like my with... point. Where like when you when you think about how verbal would want to see Kaiser Soze walking away from the flames with yeah. the long flowing hair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is bald, so he's balding. So <laughs> Kuyan is like, "Well, do you believe in Kaiser Soze?" And this is another good line because he says, "Because he says Keaton used to say, I don't believe in God, but I believe in Kaiser Soze.' But I'm oh no, I don't believe in God, but I'm afraid of him." Yes. And Verbal says, well, I believe in God, and the only thing that scares me is Kaiser Soze. Do you believe in him, Verbal? Keaton always said, I don't believe in God, but I'm afraid of him. Well, I believe in God, and the only thing that scares me is Kaiser Soze. Kuyan tries to tell him, like, well, we can get protection. Like, why didn't you tell the DA this? Right. 
But Verbal's like, no, no, you can't do it. So they go back to the story, and Fenster abandoned them. He's basically like, I'm running. Like, I'm not going to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And they find him dead by the ocean. Yep. So Kobayashi or Kaiser Soze or somebody had him killed. Right. And they all debate whether or not they should run or they should do the job. And a lot of a lot of spit in this scene. McManus yes, there's Hockney, so much spit. I thought that too. I'm like, he's got to be covered in spit right now. There is so much spit. But they kind of say Keaton realizes they have to finish this. They don't have a choice because they're going to all end up dead if they try to run. The accent is coming through in this scene big time. He might as well be Irish. Like, just <laughs> make just the character play the Irish. character. Yeah, play it up. But they all start digging him to bury him. So they, they bury Fenster on the beach. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe this didn't happen. Because, like, there'd be a body. There um, would be a body if they came there or the ocean would have taken it out. Because oh, if that's it's, true. If it's by the, the water. It. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the tide took it. Because that would be his way of getting away from there being an actual body. was saying it was buried in an ocean. <laughs> Especially if it didn't come up on that boat, right? So if they didn't find his body on the boat. Right. It would be missing at that point. Right. So he's either alive and gone, or he's dead and the body's missing. Right. Okay. And it's hard to find a, yeah, a body there. Right. So Verbal thought that they could make it if they tried to run, but Keaton wouldn't have it. And this is where we get a theme for this movie, sort yes. of. Try to tell a cop, I'm not going to do it justice because I don't have the, the quote right in front of me, but it's like, to a cop, the simplest explanation is always the best one. It's never that complicated. There is no mystery to the streets. If you think somebody did it, you're going to find out that you're right. And this is basically what is the downfall of Kuyan in this movie. He knows he's right about Keaton. Mm -hmm. And he is trying to do everything in his power to find the evidence that he's right. Right. Exactly. And and Verbal is telling him to his face, you're wrong. He just won't listen to it. Right. Because to a cop, it's this answer. It's that one. It's the one I found. I know it's that answer. I just have to find the evidence for it. Mm. Now, and that's the problem. You're not looking at the evidence trying to find the answer. You're looking at, this is the answer. Where's the evidence? Right, exactly. And that's yes. the wrong way of looking at it. Yeah. Right. And I think that's Very exactly unscientific. what... Mm-hmm. It's what basically most people do when they say that they've researched YouTube videos and Facebook articles. I've done my research. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I found Kaiser Soze. I know exactly who it is. I, yeah, I, I saw that research. Facebook I found it. I meme. It yeah. It said it was uh, Tommy Wiseau. We know who <laughs> Kaiser Soze is. Exactly. <laughs> so they decide that they're going to kill Kobayashi. That mm-hmm. that's the way to get out of this. We're going to whack Kobayashi. And we get kind of like this Wayne's Worldian plan. They all pretend to be maintenance guys. They're going to whack them at this like law firm i guess that kobayashi works at right which again has japanese or i think it's japanese i think they have like japanese like symbols and stuff on like the windows and the elevator doors what what is the what's the real story here but mcmanus snipes the bodyguards before they can like take off on the elevator ruin looking thing like runes or something on the door that doesn't even look like character like japanese what the hell am i looking at going into the hellraiser cube or something and they take Kobayashi hostage. He asks them to call this off. Keaton is like, you got to call this off. You know, we can get to you. And Kobayashi's like, I would love to get this taken off. But if I 
don't follow through with my orders. Mm-hmm. I got to deal with Kaiser Soze. And I'd rather you just shoot me now. Right. He's insistent that, like, you don't have to believe of it. Believe that Kaiser Soze is here. But he is, and he's going to fuck me up if you guys don't do what I ask you to do. Right. So McManus is like, I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to be the one that gets to do this. Because he's trying to get back for Fenster, right? Exactly. So Kobayashi says, like, that's fine. But before you shoot me, let me finish my business with Edie. And this is where you find out that he's got Keaton again. He tells him, you screw with me. You screw with this plan. You don't do this. And we're going to get to your loved ones. And he goes down the list of like all the loved ones that they know that he's going to fuck with mm-hmm. if they don't do it. Mm-hmm. I do like the camera work here. There's a zoom where like you see E. And then there's like a zoom where it like goes past the glass. And then, then you can see Keaton. So it's like he knows he's fucked. They realize like they have to do this. Right. Or he thinks he has to do this. So he's talking about how like it's a, it's a logistical nightmare. There's no way that we can do this. And he's like, maybe we can do it. Maybe we can get rid of the drugs, but there's no way that we can get the drugs and the money. Okay. Um, but but they're like, no, was that part of it that you didn't get? Yeah, that was a part. Yeah. There's a lot of this that was like, there's so much. And for some reason, it just didn't like sink in right away with the, no, I with mean, the exact yeah. method, like what they needed them to do. So Right. McManus and Hockney are like, no, if we're going to do this, we're getting the money. Because, like, we got to get the hell that's out of here. That's kind of, like, the whole point, yeah. yeah. I, we'd rather so, like, have the money than anything else. Right, that's their point. And they devise a plan. So that night on the docks, we kind of go back to the beginning of the movie, right? So there's the Hungarian mob. McManus is in one area. He's in, like, a room. Mm-hmm. Hockney's in a different area. I couldn't tell what they were talking to each other on. Because this is 1995, well, it's got to be like walkie-talkies then, right? I thought it was walkie-talkies, but they're almost like doing this into their wrist like they're talking into a smartwatch or a Power Ranger communicator. <laughs> but maybe it was like maybe it was like a cop kind of walkie-talkie or something. I don't oh, know like, what they oh, were Oh, like a small about. one maybe? That's yeah. like a little clicker. They maybe they had yeah. like a wire put into their arm or something from like the so it's not like shown, but it's in their their up their sleeve. Well, because they definitely were... It doesn't make sense that it would be in their watch. <laughs> <laughs> no, it makes no sense that it would be in their watch. But they're definitely, like, kind of doing, like, a little bit of lift your arm to talk into it. So maybe it is... Maybe you're right. Maybe it's on their arm. Maybe yeah. the walkie-talkie's, like, on their forearm. So Hockney is setting an, an explosive up because that's his specialty. And Keaton tells Kent, before he goes to start the business, to run so that he can get out and he can tell Edie. Right. Tell her that he tried. And that's kind of like the last thing you get of Keaton being trying to be like, I tried to be the good guy. I tried to be the best guy I could be, but I just couldn't I get away from this the life. End. Yeah. And Keaton moves out and starts the plan. So he walks onto the dock. McManus has got his sniper aimed. And it looks very pretty for being this like dingy drug dock. Right. Um, <laughs> I'll give the director that. Like it does look good. This movie looks very good, I think. Yes. But the men become aware of Keaton. And they confront him. I thought it was a little weird here because they just kind of surround him and start talking in Hungarian to him. And Keaton's like, oh, let's see what the problem is. The problem is. There's no, like, <laughs> there's no escalation. They're just surrounding him and talking to him. So well, maybe they're just trying to figure out who he is or, like, did he really just random stumble person- out here? Yeah, there's this random person that comes to the dock and they're just trying to 
I guess it's kind of like that gang mentality. You gotta surround the guy so yeah. that he can't get like run away, and yeah. then in case he does something, then there you have him surrounded. And... Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> Stephen Baldwin, because he's Stephen Baldwin, says Oswald was a uh, bad word <laughs> that I won't repeat. Which I was yeah, what, to be like, I was Why like what it... the hell was that? That <laughs> seemed so just no, random. I figured this out. I figured this out. Because Oswald shot Kennedy with a sniper, right? So he's like, he only took out one guy, and McManus is planning to take out the whole circle. Okay. All so right. he's more Whatever. of a, you know, Oswald was a word that you shouldn't say because a derogatory word for a gay Another derogatory person. term, because that's what they use in this movie. It took me off guard, that whole line. It was said, and I went, what out of nowhere what i'm sorry i don't understand but you're saying like yeah oswald had nothing on him yeah that's what he's getting at he's like oswald's got nothing on me like that's what he's saying yeah in the worst way he could possibly you could have just said it that way yeah have to be a jackass Uh, about it well in 1995 again not we're not gonna disparage this movie for being in 1995 and using that word i mean the guy's an asshole anyways he's gonna say it no matter what the gay man director the director is a gay man that's weird too so i'm confused i'm like (laughs) holy now (laughs) i'm just so lost well the director's a dick too so they're all assholes everybody's an asshole um everybody's an asshole (laughs) but like it it was used more liberally than than it would be today yeah it Um, was definitely a bit flippant Yes, but that's what he's trying to get at there. There is a timer that Hockney put on the uh, bomb. on the bomb. It goes off. A small boat nearby blows up, and the shootout begins. So Keaton kills a couple of guys. McManus takes care of a bunch of other guys. The boat mm-hmm. starts to mobilize. Hockney is opening fire. This this big shootout, and I kind of wondered where did they all get this good? They're like almost like military. You know what I mean? They're like. They're like special opsing this drug They really boat. are. They really are. Because he's, like, he's, is, is he normally a sniper rifle? Like, does that, is that Well, yeah, does? I mean, he is a, he is a good shot. They have established that in the first, when they get, when they take out the, the jeweler. And then they're like climbing everything and going across yeah. ropes and. No, you're it's, right. It's, they're acting like they're military. Yeah. It's like almost like they upped their game. They trained for little, this. Yeah. These guys are not like this to me. I don't know. Something no, maybe they're slobby criminals. They are slobby criminals. And they... this isn't done in a slovenly way. No, a it's done very way? well. Well, and they're like Keaton planned it out. Well, we don't even know if this is the truth. This that's true. That is true. You're right. You are you're right. We have a All we know is a boat narrator. blew up. Right. You're right. We have an unreliable narrator. Maybe they weren't nearly as good at and doing this. Really making them sound like shot. they went down guns a blazing, awesome right. style. But yeah, the un- I love the unreliable na- uh, narrator. That's one of my favorite things. It's another reason I kind of knew what was going to happen at the end. One of my favorite things is getting an unreliable narrator in a book. So <laughs> I don't know. I sometimes it feels like I wasted my time. I guess it depends on how good of a story the unreliable narrator is telling you. It allows for good banter. It does. It definitely allows for good theory and stuff like that. It's well, like uh, Gone Girl. We all hated yeah. that book, but we talk about it constantly. <laughs> but it was like I like the fact that it was unreliable. The Great it Gatsby. Makes it, yeah, 
There's a few other ones that I've read where like the it was, but I like unreliable narrators Hunger when games. when they do it properly. What? No, I, I'm I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was trying to think of another book that's in the first person. Uh, Harry Potter. That is third person omniscient. Thank you very much. <laughs> Although J.K. Rowling, I guess, is an unreliable narrator. Yes, she, she keeps is. Changing her. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> oh my god. So anyway. Out of nowhere. Shot at J.K. Rowling. <laughs> Keaton and she McManus. It. <laughs> Keaton and McManus make their way into airy. the boat. Verbal's hiding. Kuyan asks him, why didn't you run? And Verbal's like, I froze up. I thought like maybe Keaton would pull it off. So Kuyan gets pulled out of the room again and they're like he's like, Hey, by the way, we found this guy in the ocean or the mm-hmm. lake or whatever, in the water. He was shot twice in the head on a beach. Or we found him on the beach and we shot twice in the head. Yes. And we basically find out what the plan by Kaiser Soze really was, which was he was extradited. He was This guy was some Argentinian that was being extradited. Edie was working on the extradition. Yes. It was probably the one that Kobayashi was working on with her earlier, probably mm-hmm. to do like the timing of the expedition or something. The guy was a rat. He named like 50 people, including Kaiser Soze. Exactly. So the whole thing... And that's why the Hungarian was like, we were trying to, we were buying people. The whole thing was to get this guy. Yes. There was no coke. There was no drugs. It was, this guy was the precious cargo. Exactly. And we panned to this Arturo is the name of the Argentinian guy. He looks like a cartoon character. He is, um... <laughs> yeah. No, that's the best way to say it. He looks like a cartoon character. He he's looks and, and a stereotypical he, cartoon-like character. He's like so over the top. He's like, Kaiser Soze! Yes. Like, he's afraid of Kaiser Soze. I saw he's it. also wearing like Jason, a silk robe. Yes, like a silk robe. Jason Manzoukas <laughs> could play this character Absolutely. in the remake. Please, yes. Jason Manzoukas. That's another one. I will take an interview because that would be fun. <laughs> It would be a bonkers interview. Oh, it would be bonkers. Literally bonkers. <laughs> this guy's bonkers, though. This man yeah, in bon- his silk, in his silk, in his silk robe, in this like battleship. Okay, <laughs> yelling, guys are so say. He's bonkers. So, <laughs> yes, literally bonkers. <laughs> And this is where I realize that the they're trying guy? to make what... Is that long-haired man just uh, a Hungarian that, like, opens the door? To yeah, the... he's just some guy on the ship. Oh, okay. Because I was like, he's yeah. not one of the five. No. But they think that... I. This is where I got the idea that, oh, they're trying to make us think that one of the guys is Kaiser Soze. Because they keep showing them walking around by themselves. Right. Yeah. Which one is it? Which one is it? That's I feel bad for the idea. dog a little bit here that McManus pets. Because uh, there's a dog that McManus pets, and I'm like, oh, that dog got blown up, too. You know he did. Yeah, and McManus just kind of pets him and walks, keeps walking. Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) And this is where we get my favorite line, which is Keaton yelling, There is no fucking cook! Because they've searched the entire ship, and they realize we've been set up. There is no cook. we got to get out of here. Right. And Verbal runs. And there's a bomb now. (laughs) And there's a bomb now. And Verbal's, Verbal's running closer to the ship. McManus is like, I'm getting out of here. And we get a POV shot, I think, of Soze looking for the Argentinian guy. Yes. And he eventually comes into the room and he kills him. 
and we get a nice cinematic shot. We get the window, the boat window. I can't remember yes. what that's called. But we get like I, the boat window. Isn't it just a boat window? Is there a name for it? I thought there's a name for it. A hub or something like that? Boat window. Porthole. Porthole. Yeah, it's a porthole. <laughs> what do you call it? A boat window. <laughs> oh, la da with your portholes over here. <laughs> oh, man. So we get a shot of the porthole. And then it's just like you hear the gunshot and you see the, the flash, but you don't right. actually see the guy get shot. You see the blood, I think, too. I don't know if you see the blood. I think you just see the flash. Yeah, it's like shot. a spray. I swore it oh, was. Maybe, maybe it wasn't. It. Maybe that was more the, like another scene, but yeah. Uh, so Keaton sees Verbal and he's like, we got to get out of here. McManus comes out the door right behind him and he's like, McManus, what's wrong? And McManus kind of like collapses over everything's like he says like everything's silly or every silly things or something like that i don't know but he he's been stabbed in the back of the neck with like a with like a fucking screwdriver or something <laughs> so he's dead oh and before this and when we skipped this part hockney finds the brand with all the money in it yes yes he did so he is ready to take all the money he gets shot through the stomach Yep. And turns around, and it almost seems like a turnaround where he sees who shot him, but Hockney's dead too. He got shot by somebody. Yeah, we didn't get to see who it was, did we? I assume it was Kaiser Soze. Oh, I I think I also assume it was Kaiser Soze, but I didn't realize we didn't see like a Hungarian shoot him. Yeah. Yeah, but you do not see who shot him. But yeah, so now everyone's dead except Keaton and Verbal. And Verbal runs to get the van yes it's almost horror movie like at this point like they're getting slashed one by one right but while he's trying to get the van someone shoots keaton and we see a man in a black coat and hat from the beginning of the movie verbal sees it happen and kunyan's like you know more than you're telling me right now yes this is where i have a question for you and do you think that verbal is letting kunyan because at this point verbal's kind of like stopped talking because he's like all right now i caught up to the end of the story and Kuyan keeps talking, and he's like, no, 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 you know more. You know something. You know that Keaton's not dead, or like, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And do you think that Verbal is just letting Kuyan go off and keep? Because eventually 100%. he says, Keaton is Kaiser Soze, isn't it, Verbal? Keaton's Kaiser Soze. Yes. I think he's letting him draw his own conclusions and letting him finish it off. Yeah, okay. Because, Absolutely. And, and I, I like that a lot about... I did, it. yeah. I was very manipulative. And uh, he basically asked Verbal, like, why didn't you help your friend? Why did you saw who killed him or shot him? Why didn't you help him? And Verbal, I don't think that, well, I think the bad acting is intentional because it's like a little over the top because he's like, how do you shoot the devil in the bag? It was Kaiser Soze. Right. <laughs> what if you miss? And he like holds up his Bell's palsy hand. Right. Like, how I, like, what if I miss shooting the devil? How do you shoot the devil in the back? What if you miss? Verbal's trying to move to, like, hide. Mm-hmm. And an interesting thought here I noticed, you see him move, you see him go by the tires. Yes. But then a body never keeps going by the ropes where it keeps zooming in on. And there's in between where you would have seen a person walking between the oh, rope yeah. and the tires. Absolutely. Which, to me, means there's nobody there. Like, it's, a, it's supposed to be telling you, like, yep, yeah, this didn't happen. So, Soze's left with Keaton. 
and we learn that Soze's left-handed because he turns, he flicks the cigarette on the the lighter with his left hand. He holds the gun in his left right. hand. We see him shoot him. We see the blow blow up, and that's the end of the story. Right. So now Kuyan actually at some point too hands Verbal the lighter to like light a cigarette. And Verbal tries to do it with his right hand and it falls. Like he can't flick it because he doesn't have like the dexterity with his thumb on his right hand to do it. Yes, that was, I think, towards the beginning. I think he dropped it and then he did it for him. Right. So that was supposed to be like another hint. Because right now we get a false montage, which in a usual story would have just been the conclusion where we've seen this false montage, I think, in a lot of mysteries now. I think it's kind of become a trope, but I don't know how much it was back then. Where we get like this montage where Kuyan is explaining to Verbal why mm-hmm. Keaton was Kaiser Soze. Exactly. And how we we would have been able to figure it out from the story pieces. Right. And then we come back and Verbal admits it was. It was all Keaton. I didn't I couldn't see it. He was my friend. But it was it's true. Keaton must have been Kaiser Soze. And Kuyan's like, Well, maybe he's not really Kaiser Soze, but he was use, he uses the Kaiser Soze name. Right. And he's like, by the way, Edie's dead. She was shot twice in the head because mm-hmm. that's the Kaiser Soze style. Yep. And Verbal's crying about it. And he's like, I guess it's true and blah, 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 blah. So Kuyan's like, well, we'll just, we can protect you. You can turn in state's evidence. We'll protect you from Keaton because Keaton's still out there. Right. Because he's, yeah, he believes that he's Keaton's He's obsessed still with alive. thinking Keaton's exactly. still alive. Verbal's like, Even though no, at the beginning, we were shown that Keaton No, was... because, because... Kuyan thinks the shooting was staged. Right. And Keaton got out of oh, there. Oh, and he did say, like, Kaiser, sarcastic and everything. Maybe he was staging that he died or something. Well, and we don't even know if that really... Well, that that did really happen. That was in the real timeline. True. But Verbal doesn't tell him that part. That's true. He doesn't tell him that part. You're right. Because he wouldn't have been able to hear it. Because he wouldn't have been able to hear it. Verbal basically says, no, I saw Keaton die. I'll take my chances. I'm not a rat. And then he kind of leaves the station. He gets his stuff and he goes. And that's where we get the conclusion of the story and everything's wrapped up. Actually, we get him getting a gold a gold lighter and a gold watch, which... Yeah, black, I thought that the, was the interesting. Black, the black figure had a gold lighter. Yeah, and a gold watch and gold mm-hmm. rings. So they kind of come back and it's Jeffrey Rabin. It's Rabin and, and God, all these K names. Kuyan yep. are both talking. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to find Keaton one day. I swear to God, I'm going to find him one day. He's not dead. And he tells the other cop, man, your office is such a mess. And the other cop tells him, well, it all makes sense. It all has a system. If you look, you take a step back and you look at it all the right mm-hmm. way. It all makes sense. So they're both sitting there, and Kuyan is kind of looking at the wall full of stuff. And he's putting the pieces together, and the score drops out. And then it kind of comes back in. And we get little zoom-ins on different things on the board. All these different words and pictures and phrases. And we <laughs> we heard about Skokie, Illinois. Yep. Verbal says something about Skokie, Illinois earlier. He says... The quartet. Um, and quartet... And he's the name Redfoot. Yep. And a so, larger woman, I think, is the one with mm-hmm. that. That was like, I was like, oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, a little, little mean to that I big was like, lady. Jeez. And this is an iconic shot. And it is Kuyan drops the mug. You yes. don't hear the mug shatter. All you hear is the score. Yep. And it's like this slow mo version of this coffee cup falling. Yep. 
And we see on the bottom of the coffee cup, it says Kobayashi. Kobayashi. So uh, what good. we learn that is that good. all of the whole story that we just spent an hour and a half watching and you spent three hours listening to us tell was fake. Was him on the spot coming up with that stuff, though? Well, and that's why I want to know. I think part of it was real. So it's like, what parts were real? So he was just changing what names. Parts were fake? He was changing, like, Because, like, the lineup happened. We, we know the lineup happened. We know that the taxi service got taken out. Right. There's different things that are probably real and probably fake. Kobayashi, quote unquote, does technically exist. He exists. <laughs> but I don't think that's his name. Is. I think he so, changed names, added little snippets and stuff, but I think parts of it were real. And then the iconic twist. You've seen it in Scary Movie, Rachel, for sure. Yes! That's another <laughs> one! That's another one that does it! This is probably why I figured it out! Yeah, so tell so tell me how you're... Did, did, were you surprised at all? Was your husband surprised at all? How did this go? Like, <laughs> you, do the walkthrough for me, because I knew it... I knew it before I watched the movie the first time because of culture. Well, okay, but... so like I was saying, so when Verbal shoots a gun or holds a gun, that, the look at his eye and like the way he's holding it and the way he's shot and stuff made me kind of go, you're not a small time crook. Something's up with this guy. And that's really where I started looking at him differently. And it, you kind of felt that he was leading in the background at some mm. points, especially with uh, with Keaton. It felt like he was leading the character. And now it, it was in his story, so it's kind of like, well, I mean, was that yeah. the truth? I do think that was a real part where he's kind of leading him away from certain stuff. And then <laughs> I did have the, oh, you're going to give me the first twist of here's my red herring. It's actually Keaton. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, okay, here's the red herring. When, when does which he... would be, and which I, would be and I even said when does character it... was supposed to be the redeem the redeemer kind of character right or the redeemable yeah, yeah. and then I, and I said when does he figure it out <laughs> like... <laughs> now I don't know I don't know if my husband figured it out I don't know because it's me so I I tend to talk too much <laughs> oh yeah yeah we ruin movies a lot for him I don't I I don't for him I don't because I keep my mouth shut for him. <laughs> I'll do it to you, but I won't do it to him. <laughs> but when he dropped his coffee, I'm like, what's he figuring out? I'm like, and I'm like, I didn't realize that he was looking at the board or anything. It's not like they showed that sure. stuff enough for me to figure that part out. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. but that's why I thought that was pretty cool that he came mm -hmm. up with all the names and everything from the board. But I did like that he took away his slanted foot and then he yeah. stretches out a little bit and starts yeah. walking normal and... <laughs> He's yep. using his left hand, and yep. then, yep. Because the, it was the, very, the scene... Um, dewy. You're very, yeah, you're right. It was definitely it's do dewy. It's doofy from or doofy. Scary Movie. It's, that's the, that's, that's exactly the reference they're making. Because you see the foot it, it not working, and then... It turns. Sure enough, it turns, and it starts working. And this whole time, like, the whole time that this reveal is happening you're getting dialogue from the rest of the movie. Yes. About Kaiser Soze or Verbal Kent or Keaton or the whole Ken Caboodle. Mm -hmm. I had to keep saying K's. And, um... <laughs> Kitten Caboodle is a good one. I like that one. It's a good word. He lights the cigarette with his left hand. Yep. Because he's really left-handed. He gets in a car with Kobayashi. The guy with that we've heard Kobayashi. is Kobayashi. <laughs> is driving it. 
and they drive off and Kuyan can't find them and he's gone. And yep. as the last word is like, and he's gone or whatever. And that's the end of the movie. It's still, I knew it was coming. I know what it is. It's still a very clever twist and I still smiled at it because it is, a, it's even, it's a well done. It's fun to watch. Yeah. It come together at the end too. Yes, it is. It is. But that is, and then we go back to our score and I'll do it again for you all. Oh, I forgot. They did have a picture of him. Do we know where that came from too? The Oh, yeah. The, well, the Hungarian Oh, he gave him a description. The gives, the, gives the sketch. So the fax comes in too late. Because Verbal knows, or Kaiser Soze knows, he's got to get the hell out of there. So right. he gets out of there before the fax comes in. That's the twist. Verbal oh, yeah. Kent but the, the, the last Kaiser line is the, is the tag line. Yeah. The greatest trick like the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. And just like that, he's gone or something like that. And like that, he's gone. Every creeping scumbag that works the street for a living will know the name of Virgil Kent. The cripple, did you see him? The cripple, which way did he go? Oh, he, he went out that way. I know you know something. I know you're not so telling you say something. I'm smarter than you. And I'm going to find out what I want to know, whether you like it or not. So cops, the explanation is never that You know what I'm getting at, Verbal, the truth. Come on, Verbal, no who do you think you're the street? No, Archie I Kruger, know who at all? Somebody with power. There was somebody there. who was capable not of tracking us from New York. Not from Kaiser 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 this close to getting caught and sticks his head out? Because you're stupid, Verbal. Because you're a cripple. What I want to know is who's the gimmick. You know, you know the whole fucking time. If he comes up for anything, I'm sure Keaton is dead. I can't feel my legs. Kaiser. First thing I learned on the job, you know what it was? How to spot a murderer. You tell me you got the cripple in there from New York. Yeah. He mentioned Kaiser Soze. Who? After that, my guess is you'll never hear from him again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but the, the one of the best twists in movie history, according to a lot of people, is just this. Verbalkint is Kaiser Soze. Yeah, and I think my having seen so many mysteries and twists and all of that kind of stuff helped me figure that out, and I wasn't like, <gasps> at the end. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, yeah, yeah. So before we get into... Before we get into the shelf life part of it, I was watching some stuff on the internet. Of course, I was watching crap YouTube videos and stuff. Like, well, some of, some of it's good. Some stuff on YouTube is good. I, I make fun of YouTube a lot, but we like some of it. Yeah, you make and fun it was of it some, a lot. I watch it a lot. It's fine. It was some guy <laughs> that some guy was saying whether or not that like his film theory was whether or not Verbal Kint really was Kaiser Soze, or is Verbal Kint just working for Kaiser Soze? Sure. So he's an undercover or an assassin or something. Because, like, why would Kaiser Soze go to kill the Argentinian himself? Why not send Verbal Kint, your assassin, to do it for you? Uh, that's psychologically, I would say that because of how big he is, he wanted him to see his face. He wanted him mm. to know he's the one that came to kill him. Yeah. It's I, I think that's a that's a big psychological question there because that is what a lot of killers and a lot of bad guys do. I mean think serial killers. Serial killers eventually want you to know it's them. They want to make it a big spectacle. They want it to be out there. Sure. So yeah. it's one of those things that's happening, I say. 
So yes, I do think he is Kaiser Soze. Well, and, and then the other theory, <laughs> oh, I'll give you one more theory if you want to shoot this one down. Yes, go ahead. Kobayashi is Kaiser Soze. <gasps> that is another one I thought of too, because it's the same idea. He came in, he wanted to be a part of the action. So yeah. he could absolutely be Kaiser Sose, and Kobayashi is verbal. Mm. Mm-hmm. They could be flipped. So, verbal is the hitman, the lawyer, the the right hand man. Even though we hear that Kaiser Sose has no right hand man, mm-hmm. he actually does. It's verbal. Yes, but he has no right hand man because verbal always changes his identity or something. like Right. That. He only comes in when he when something's really needed. Like who knows? It's his left hand man. Because he's left handed. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to. God damn it. But, <laughs> but yeah, a couple of theories just to throw out there. Folks at home, let us know. Is Verbal Kind Kaiser Soze? Now, the director and the writer and the actor and everyone involved has said that Verbal Kind is Kaiser Soze. Interestingly enough, Gabriel Byrne, who plays Keaton, thought that he was Kaiser Soze. Like, like he could still, he could have, he still was Kaiser Soze at he the He thought that Keaton was Kaiser Soze. Interesting. I wonder if yeah. that's... What they wanted him to think, so he played the character a little bit tougher. Now, who knows if that's true or if that's just a story that he tells, you know, to, like, kind of beef up the the, the legend of the, the sure. show or whatever. But the theory goes that the director tried to get all of them to think that they were all Kaiser Soze at sure. one point or another. Which makes sense. I feel like only... A couple of them could have been there, Kaiser Sose. It, it kind of goes back to the Snape theory, though, where I'd almost rather it... No, you tell the one person that is Kaiser Sose... So that he can do tell, that sneaky shit in the background. And you tell individual... <laughs> and, 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 and Kevin Spacey knew that he was Kaiser Sose. Of course, yeah. But tell the rest of them that they're not, but don't let them tell each other that they're not. Right, let so them believe all the other one is. suspicious yeah. of it's, each other. It's the, um, here's your envelope, don't tell anybody else which one you are. Right. You're yes. playing a game of Clue. Yes. On the list. Oh, definitely on the list. Yeah, so that could be another theory about it. But yes, that is Brian Singer's The Usual Suspects. So, we have come, finally, to that time of the show. Rachel, this was your first and only time watching the I movie. know! So it's, it's going to be tough. It is kind of tough. You know, the fun part is, though, is that we went through it scene by scene, which actually helped. (laughs) (laughs) And I hope it helped all of you at home. Well, because, like... Or on the road or wherever you are. Here's my opinion on this. Yes, watch it. Okay? Definitely watch it. Watch it twice. Because first time through it, you might be a little confused. (laughs) Maybe I was too tired to watch it. But, I mean, at the same time, I felt like... It was interesting. The characters were interesting. I liked... Typically, I'm not a heist movie person. And it felt mm-hmm. like a heist movie. So it's kind of like, eh, I don't know about this one. I'm going to convince you by the end of Shelf Life <laughs> that you are... That you I do probably actually am. Like I'm probably heist, super yeah. into heist movies. But I liked the mystery of it. So I did like that it started doing the ooh, mystery parts into it. And I really did like the reveal. As much as I might know the ending and sometimes I I figure things out just right before that they, they get told or like early on, um, I still like how it was revealed. I really do like, did like that part. That was great. Mm. So definitely watch it. Most likely watch it twice. Would I put it on my shelf? Does it, yes. Does it have a shelf life? Is this going to be the biggest twist in shelf life <laughs> history? Throw it away. I hate it. 
I don't see. Here's my here's my other thing though. I think I would only watch it twice. I don't know if I would watch oh. this a lot. I don't think it would be like, oh, I gotta like pull this out every couple years. This is a okay. I watched it. Now ten years down the line, I'll watch it again because it's been long enough. Maybe I don't know. I do think it was good. I do think it was a good movie. I liked everything about it. I guess it would be on my shelf. Is it on my shelf? And then you go, well, let me let me say my piece. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So let me give you my background on this. And then we can Figure decide. Out if it's on the shelf. We don't have to agree. No, I know. Um, it, it is a good movie. It's a very good movie. If it weren't for the twist, it would be a forgotten film. It was kind of, yeah. The twist makes this movie. Because the twist makes it so that you question if the story was real. I actually think a lot of the story was better or for worse, kind of what happens. Yeah. Up until the boat. I think the boat scene, like we kind of talked about, is probably bullshit. The, I think the boat scene was slightly bullshit, and I think the red foot stuff was bullshit. Yeah, I think the red foot stuff was kind of bullshit, too. Anything oh, where red, they were red. in a weird location, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's probably true. I think that's probably true. And we get a lot of, like, yeah, like, even the Kobayashi in the tower, like, I think that happened, but probably not in that way. Right. I think it is a very good movie. I think it's well acted to a point. Uh, I think it is well written to a point. I think that there are some issues here and there yes. with it. There are definitely places where once you know the reveal, you can kind of go back and be like, well, then why did... Why would that have happened? Like, that doesn't make sense. If verbal is Kaiser's, then why did that happen? Like, right. there, there's enough of that that it's like, okay, there's flaws. It's it's definitely a flawed film. Sure. And without that twist, it's nothing. The twist is so clever, though, and so good that it definitely makes up for it. Here's where it I will say. I agree with you. Watch it twice. Don't watch it again for 10 years. <laughs> watch it again. Yeah, pull it out. I don't think it's on a shelf. I think yeah. I think it's in a case. I think it's a okay, pull out the pull out the movie, you know, it's in the case, but it's not on the shelf. I think this is the situation in which you watch the usual suspects again. And folks, if you love this movie, absolutely own it. It's yeah, it's absolutely. a great movie. Like there's no issue with owning it. We're just saying yeah, for ourselves, like when we watch it. Put the movie out on that shelf with your Kaiser Sose pop vinyl. That's totally fine. God, I wish there was a Kaiser's so... Well, there won't be any more. That's for damn God, sure. God, no. Unless it looks like Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> 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 no, like, absolutely. Like, if you want... If you have this on the shelf, like, I totally understand that. Uh, and if you think it's a, if you think it's one of your favorite movies, that that's fine. I, right. I would... But, but for me personally, the scenario where this movie is shown is you're talking with someone, maybe you're on a date... Maybe you just have friends over. Maybe it's just you're at work talking with some a coworker, and you bring up Kaiser Soze or the Devil Trick or Keaton, something from Kobayashi. The movie, Kobayashi, and somebody goes, "What are you talking about?" And you say, "The Usual Suspects," and they go, "What is that?" And you go, "You've never seen The Usual Suspects," and then you walk over to That's your familiar. shelf. <laughs> or you walk over to your box like we said right that small soldiers is in yeah the case I, like, or I, you, my treasure chest you, yeah your, your treasure chest <laughs> or you pull up netflix or um, amazon prime or whatever it has it or you rent it 
because you're not going to watch this multiple times, so maybe it's just a couple of rents in your lifetime. Yeah. And you pull it up and you make them watch it. And you can That's watch when... it together where you want to see their reaction to everything. Exactly. So you keep looking over, like, yes. did you see that? That's that's my opinion (laughs) of when this gets watched. No, I I think it's totally. I think it's totally ownable. I could see it on a shelf for sure. Mm -hmm. It has a shelf life. It's not going to be on my. It's not the top shelf. I think it's low shelf. Yeah, it's low shelf or it's box. It's it's a if you want it on display, it's low shelf. If 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 you want to be able to pull it out, you own it and it's in your case. Yes, yes. It's it's definitely ownable unless somehow you're supporting those sex pests but (laughs) yeah so now yeah does that does that throw off your answer put on a pirate hat i guess instead yeah i mean you can always sell the seven seas with it yeah sell the seven seas (laughs) do that instead i mean i want to support the i want to support the rest of the casting crew (laughs) It doesn't. It doesn't know. really change it too much. I, they're getting money from what something. So I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I'm sure they are. So what's the difference? Right. But yeah, I do think it has it has shelf life. Maybe not necessarily for me, like I said, what my scenario would be. But I could definitely see people having a shelf life. Yeah. Place. No, I definitely, I definitely can see people having this as their favorite movie and everything. For me, I liked the twist. Uh, I liked the bit of mystery. The rest of the movie was a little confusing. Just I don't know why it just was. I just felt like I didn't know what well, I was like watching. Well, like you said, there's not a lot of there's not a lot of substance. It felt a, yeah, it, it wasn't a lot. There wasn't a lot of the first time you watch it. The first time you watch right. it. I think the second time you watch it, you'll get a little because more. now you're looking more. Right, you're looking a little bit more. I didn't know what to look for. I was the first time I was watching it. Now you're gonna look for it for something. So that second time through might be kind of exciting. Definitely. So you're gonna go watch it now. It's got seven more days before now we discuss Amazon. It the discussion actually did it for me. I'm alright. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm good. Yeah, nah, no, it's I'm in good. its case. It's Thanks. fine. It's fine. Yeah. Any final parting words, Rachel? I am Kaiser Sose. Well, I can't top that. So yes, we've done the <laughs> usual suspects. It is that episode of Shelf Life is on the shelf. I am Kevin. And I'm Rachel. This has been Shelf Life. We will see you next time. Kaiser Soze.